3: I'm too, Billy! And you book a match with me? That's right, Killings. Look at me! I'm a total package! I will rip him apart! I'm pissed now!
1: Where to, Stephanie?
0: <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. It's a huge episode. The Roast of Chris Jericho. I'm here with Robert. I'm here with Mike. I'm here with Zach. Scott's gonna be joining us soon. How's everybody doing? You guys excited to uh, roast the uh, Ayatollah of rock and roll Robert?
2: Yeah, you know what? This wound up being a lot of fun. Just revisiting everything about Jericho, the good, the bad, the mimosa match. Uh, this is going to be a really fun show.
1: Yeah, I can't wait, man. And Mike, Jericho is one of your all-time favorites. Yeah, no, this is fun because it was like, you know, I know we all talked about like, well, shit. We you know we can't call him fat, and, and I didn't. I, I had to, I had to do as much trimming as Jericho's done in the last month. Um, and I he was like, he still has like a weird mac and man, meat body, you know. <laughs> it's still weird, but it's you know he's not he doesn't he you know he puts some work in, and then and then I was like, man, I don't know if I want to make fun of this guy, and then uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Is a thing, and I'm good. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> one- yeah, he knew we were roasting I, I actually, him, and he preemptively
2: turned heel. I,
0: I actually really liked it, but we, but we'll get to that in Dynamite. Just the uh, name, we, Dan.
1: Just the name.
0: We, let's get some. Let's let's uh, get some business out of the way, and uh, probably the most important business. April first, 2022. Uh, we will be doing our first live show. It's uh, also going to be Q and A. Um, you're going to have to buy a ticket in advance. It is my PayPal, Daniel St. Germain. And the picture is uh, QT Marshall uh, getting uh, thrown by Hook. So you know it's me. It also says Russell Rose in there. It's $10. Uh, it's going to be like a two-hour show. We're going to be doing some comedy for an hour and a half, similar to what we do on the show. And then the last half hour, it's going to be fan questions. So uh, it's going to be the night of the Hall of Fame. So after you're done, you guys can go turn on Peacock. Uh, as far as rest of the rows this month, the next rows we're doing is Drew McIntyre. Next month, we've got Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch. Be- Becky Lynch. Lynch, not Lynch. Um, we, uh, we are off for Patreon this week. A uh, little confusion there. Sorry about that. But we are doing the first two episodes of Lucha Underground the week after. Then Craziest Fighting Styles. Then WrestleMania 3. Watch along. A lot of fun stuff. Uh, join our YouTube page. That's been growing Our fan page, which has also been growing. It's really, really fun. Our Twitter, I'll probably be live tweeting Dynamite next week like I did last night. And uh, yeah, man, leave a review on iTunes and leave us five stars. And uh, we really appreciate all you forbidden dorks. But now it is time to get to the bright side of Chris Jericho. And this, just the bright side alone could be an hour. Uh, It is, he is... I think on almost every wrestling fan's Mount Rushmore and almost every wrestling fan's top five or at least top 10. Uh, I think the the thing that stands out with Jericho more than anybody else is that he is the greatest at reinventing himself and he's done it now for, you know, 30 years, but I could go on and on. Let's start with Robert. Robert, what do you think about uh, Y2J? Uh,
2: Jericho, so this is kind of, it's the bright side. I'm going to balance this. It's kind of tough. I'm, I'm partitioning this. I would say Chris Jericho right up until, uh, he, he left WWE was easily top five all time favorite of mine. Uh, I thought this, it, it was everything he did, uh, in ring, in promo, everything was, was absolutely fantastic since leaving WWE. It's been a little, uh, hit and miss with me, but, First of all, his, his debut in the WWE, squaring off with The Rock, was one of the best moments in Raw history. I think it's a top five Raw moment. It was the perfect debut for him. It made him feel like a, a main eventer. Uh, he had the coolest theme music of the time. It was one of those, if you had the WWF music CD, you could just put that song on, and it sounded like a real song. It was a great entrance. Uh, his stuff in WCW was... Absolutely incredible. Uh, The, the doing the uh, ring announcing for the cruiserweight battle Royal uh, as those guys came out one at a time, obviously the, the list of the man of a thousand four holds going to the library of Congress. He did the most at a point in time when WCW just wasn't paying attention to him Uh, as his career in WWE improved over time he became committed to working with younger guys and and making them better. He did it with John Cena when John Cena was a nobody. He did it with Cena when Cena was at the top. He was sort of that first major Raw feud for Cena when he became the champion and they moved him over to Monday Night Raw. And Jericho's exit from the company was losing to Chris Jericho to give him that rub. Uh, When he came back and did that string of house show matches where... All he wanted to do was work house shows, and all he wanted to do was wrestle young guys like Luke Harper or Kevin Owens just to make them better and help elevate them. Uh, there was a real selflessness to it. Uh, he obviously kept reinventing himself. The uh, the the Anton Shagan character or skull character that he did from No Country for George, Old Men, Shagor. Thank you. Was uh, was really incredible and a total pivot Uh, when they threw bad stuff at him, like, all right, you're going to team with big show. He made Jarrah's show wildly entertaining. Uh, Even his last stuff with, uh, with Kevin Owens, with the, the, the festival friendship. I mean, that was really inventive, really interesting. His punk feud going into WrestleMania was underrated and how much fun that was. It was overshadowed by Roxena, but they were doing a lot of great work. His feud with Shawn Michaels is an all timer. Uh, That is one of the best storyline build feud developments that you're really ever going to see. And and he more than anybody else is responsible for the success of AEW. You know, yes, it was Kenny and the bucks and and Cody forming this with Tony Khan, but bringing in a guy like Chris Jericho, who is unquestionably a a household name, an internationally renowned star within wrestling and outside of wrestling, because he hosted shows, he did dancing with the stars, people mainstream knew him. He went to AEW and he committed full force to make that company work. He's like, this thing's going to get put on my back, put it on my back. I'm going to do everything I can to make it successful. And he did it. And it's been it's been really incredible. And, and the last little thing is I will say his books uh, that he wrote are some of the best uh, wrestling books that there are out there. They're funny. They're irreverent. It's clear that he loves wrestling and uh he was such a joy for for so long that i try to overlook all the crazy right-wing conspiracy nut job stuff that's come out of late and appreciate the the body of work uh that that jericho did and it's great that he retired in 2017
0: well you know i don't agree with his politics but i, I will say like he had you know he gave a lot of money to you know the guy on the observer who was very sick at the time he's a very charitable charitable dude so i think that That should be said with all the, with all the politics. Not nearly as much as he gave to Trump. Oh, (laughs) way more than he gave to Trump, but only 3000 Trump. Uh, But, uh, but, but, you know, I don't know if he gave to a super PAC that's a whole, we're we're not going to have a discussion. Bright,
2: bright, bright bright side.
0: We're not going to have a discussion about dark money on the, on a bright side. So another
2: bright side. He's, he made enough money as a wrestler and saved to be able to donate to crazy conspiracies. So that's uh, that, that's a testament. Are you to talking his about punishment. AEW or
0: no? <laughs> uh, all right, M- Mike. What do you what do you love about uh, Y2J?
1: Yeah, man. I love. Um, I don't think anyone cares about wrestling uh, and 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 what people think of them than this guy. You know, that's 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 a great and a bad, uh, but but it's mostly great because he's put out a lot of great work. You know, um, he. You know, this is a guy who got upset when he got three and a half stars for an RVD match at King of the ring. But it's like the fact that he's reading it. I mean, I mean, that just shows you him and Tony Khan are perfect together, but that he knows you're thinking about him and um, that, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of the wrestling fan that done good, you know, the guy that you see taking a picture with um, Ricky Steamboat before he's a wrestler, you know, he's that, uh, you know, like yeah, his books are great. You know, the, the studying under uh, the heart dungeon when there's barely any hearts there like that, you know, he is that gap between uh, the 80s and the 90s, even though he starts in 1990, but he has that mentality of an 80s wrestler in many ways and then he brings a modern sensibility to it. You know, uh, last year he was my pick for best wrestler of 2020. Um, I stand by that. I think that he was the most important get for AEW, more than Cody, more than the bucks, more than Kenny, there was a credibility there. And I think that when you look at everyone in that roster, what he did with the inner circle was incredible and in how, um, I mean, I remember the first episode of Dynamite. I was like, all right, I like this show. But then the second episode, when he cut that promo, introducing the inner circle and put everybody over and fucked around with the crowd and said, we're done with that, that's bad creative, moving on. Like, he he was so effortless. Um, you know, the, the dinner debonair, the, um, I, you know, the mimosa match, it's it you know if you isolate it it's a little dumb but like if you look at it as a part of a whole i think it fits and it definitely fits the character um i think that uh the the stadium stampede all that shit like uh even you know new japan that he uh went to new japan you know at the age he is a company where you know the work rate is through the fucking like roof uh And he was able to have some great fucking matches. I mean, he made me want to pay attention in Japan. I think he did that for a lot of fans who normally don't care for that style or that promotion. And you're like, Oh shit, Jericho's there. And we watched the entrance. Um, you know, the fact that he, he went from a concert to all in just to come out in the face paint as a luchador. Like that was fucking awesome. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the attitude era stuff, uh, just yeah i i do think he's a better heel than a baby face but um you know even as a baby face there's something likable about him but as a heel i think yeah he's one of the best i always say he's like the daffy duck of wrestling um that he's so <laughs> like put upon by the world and so so mad at everybody and it, and it just fucking works um the fact that Yeah, his own work rate, like the matches that he was able to have in WWE, the stuff with Mysterio, the stuff with just Shelton Benjamin on a, you know, just on a fucking Taboo Tuesday. The guy gets it. He gets wrestling. He fucking is great at, yeah, putting people over. Um, The fact that when, yeah, you know, Robert was talking about the Cena feud, it's like, I'm a heel, put me in a fucking trash can and and drive me away because that's what happens to heels. Like, you know, the, I mean, you know, even some of the things that didn't fully work, I appreciate the, the Fandango WrestleMania match. There's something, but there's something genuinely like noble about that. And, and that attempt, you know, and he did everything he could to try to get the guy over. Um, the song got over, uh, you know, it's just, it's just an amazing, you know, career to the point where I could ramble for another 20 minutes and still leave shit out. I mean, when I was writing my roast jokes, it's like, I don't have anything about Mexico. I don't have anything about war, but those are big parts of his career. And you know, the guy is still fucking relevant. He had one of the best matches on Sunday. Like that's pretty incredible. For, you know, the amount of guys over 50 that they use in WWE who fucking coast. And this dude had a banger with Eddie Kingston and is still, you know, relevant now. I mean, it's like we talk about Jericho every week because he's still here and still putting out great work, man. He, he definitely is uh, in, in my top five. And, and on certain days, I'd say he's my favorite of all time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's important in the sense that he was a wrestler who showed you that you could do things on your own terms. When it felt when he felt like it was time for him to go away, he went away. When he came back, he came back. And the, and the other big testament is he's one of the few people who can say he's a favorite wrestler of Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette and Vince Russo and Vince McMahon and Tony Khan. Everybody but Bischoff, pretty much. I love,
1: that, I love that Chris Jericho is the breakfast of Tiffany's for Jim Cornette and Vince Russo.
2: <laughs> uh, we need to get Dishwalla to re-record the song. Um, uh, Deep
1: Blue something, baby. Was it Deep Blue something?
2: I go, it dis- was Dishwalla's counting blue cars. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's the word blue
1: is in there. Yeah.
2: I, if there's one thing I know, it's 90s one-hit wonders, and I'm disappointed in myself uh, for that. Also, we didn't even mention like the, the, the night that he beat Triple H for the title on Raw, and then they took it back. Was one of the loudest pops that had ever been on WWE television. Like that, he made it through sheer force of will that he was gonna be, you know, that guy and that over. So he was a fantastic babyface. He just became so good at being a heel that it was undeniable.
1: And I remember I worked with him on something, just like he came in on a show that I was writing on, and he was a guest. And he wasn't he wasn't the friendliest. And he definitely was less uh, happy when he found out I was a big fan. Um, but I allowed myself, of like, I don't want to lose my fandom of this guy. I'm still going to love Chris
3: Jericho.
2: <laughs> oh, the biggest disappointment I had in my time at WWE was I never got to work with him because he left like the week before I was on creative. And that was the whole like that was my driving force of like this was my sustained fandom was because of Chris Jericho never got a chance to work with him that was always a a huge disappointment of mine. Uh, And that by when he came back he actually re debuted in Fort Lauderdale at the uh, at the BB&T Center. And it was like right after I left I was like you've got to be fucking like so Jericho has been dodging me and it pisses me off.
1: That was with Orton right where he hits Orton or something. Yeah with the uh, torch with the torch
0: bearer guy. Yeah, it was the passing of the torch guy. Um, S- Sergeant Slaughterhouse, Mr. Scotty Chaps has been lurking in, his, in the shadows. Uh, Mr. Chaplin, uh, what do you uh, what do you enjoy about the painmaker?
3: I. <clears throat> oh, gosh, you call him the pain maker when you talk to me. <laughs> I, uh, I think he is one of the greatest ever. Um, definitely as a kid, he was the wrestler after you got sucked in by stone cold, Steve Austin in the rock. Chris Jericho was the guy that you went, Oh, wrestling rules. Um, in ways he was better than them. Uh, definitely in the ring. I remember Chris Jericho when I was young thinking he was like a, and they talked about him like this, just a, and he is this, a world traveled wrestler. And you didn't feel like that. They didn't talk about Austin. They didn't talk about anybody like that until guys like Jericho and Benoit showed up and Jericho before them. Um, he always felt well-rounded he worked super stiff which I always loved some of my you know my favorite ladder match is probably him versus Benoit um I love the money in the bank which he invented some of my favorite matches are his some of my favorite wrestling t-shirts uh are his and I wore them in high school damn I mean I don't know his idols became my idols like I I I started liking Ricky Steamboat before I saw Ricky Steamboat match because Chris Jericho said Ricky Steamboat influenced him. And so Ricky Steamboat was the shit to me. Mm. His politics. He's thoughtful, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, you know what? And in terms of music, it's like, he's consistent, dude. You look at him when he was a kid and he wanted to be a wrestler and he wanted to be a rock star and, He's got like two good songs, right? That's pretty cool. And- I mean, look,
1: man, you gotta you gotta give him credit. The second he came up with a good song, fifteen years into his career, he made it his theme.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, just one of the genuinely like funniest wrestling characters. Uh, one of the best heels. It's just the shit. One of the best entrances. Some of the best. You know. You know. The Rock had so many funny quotes, and Austin had so many, but jericho had so i mean more than anybody right and he's like the david bowie of wrestling in terms of reinventing himself constantly and like it always works as, out as
0: as a character he's the funniest
3: wrestler of all, him or angle i guess I've got he, yes them. him and angle because they both understand like the silliness of it the uh yeah. they really look like you know just dummies
0: yes and i think that that's you know they show ass which is what they talk about yes with
3: great, great heels all the time and, and uh, dude Wait, I got to say this because I don't know if you guys mentioned it. I hopped on after you guys were talking. But when he did show up in New Japan and, uh, you know, that video aired and then he attacked Omega from behind and then they had that Wrestle Kingdom match, that was massive. And that was such a big deal to everybody. And then, you know, for him to say, well, I'm not going to wrestle on American soil. And then he shows up at All Out dressed up like uh, all, All In, dressed up like Penta and everybody shit their pants and, you know, AEW. Probably wouldn't have gotten as much approval from, you know, television, at least if Jericho wasn't on board. So yeah, he was great in terms of negotiating deals, blah, 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 blah. One of the best ever. All right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just go through some of the highlights, you know, loved his matches with Michaels, Kenny Omega in Japan with Milenko, Benoit, Angle, The Rock, Ultimo, Dragon, Tanahashi, Ray Mysterio. The first stadium stampede was amazing. The list of Jericho was amazing. His turn on Michaels was fantastic. Uh, you know his, his his matches against Jericho and Steve Austin with Benoit were terrific. The man, I think the Eddie Kingston match this past Sunday was match of the night.
3: You know, unbelievable. Really, unbelievable and Jericho looks better than he has in in years. Yeah, years.
0: Uh, K kayfabe accolades. Uh, AEW World Champion, ECW TV Champion, IW. GP, New Japan, Intercontinental Champion, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, two-time Feud of the Year, Feud of the Decade, Most Hated Wrestler, Faction of the Year, WCW Cruiserweight Champion, WCW TV Champion, Undisputed WWE Champion, three-time WWE World Champion, two-time WWE, WCW World Champion, nine-time Intercontinental Champion, was voted greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Uh, From the fans, two-time United States champion, European champion, hardcore champion, seven-time WWE tag team champion, Wrestling Observer, Wrestle of the Year, four-time best interview for Wrestling Observer, best interview of the decade, Wrestling Observer, feud to the decade with Shawn Michaels for the Observer, most underrated wrestler for the Observer. When this was in the late 90s when he first came to WWE. He got pro wrestling match to the year, Wrestling Observer. He's in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame. He's got and the best wrestling book, best box office draw. Most charismatic wrestler and uh number three in the Rolling Stone Best Wrestlers of 2016, which was a crazy year. That was a year where, you know, there was Kenny and Okada and Cena and you know, there's a bunch of bunch of great
3: stuff. And yeah, you know, man, match do, with Naito, that Tanahashi match at Wrestle Kingdom. Naito, was, I totally forgot about Naito. Watching it, dude, but yeah, the Naito matches are great, but watching live the um the Tanahashi match at Wrestle Kingdom, that was like In the moment, my favorite match of of that weekend, like in the moment, it was so cool to see these guys wrestle each other. And Jericho was a little chubby, and they played with that, and Tanahashi was making fun of his stomach. It was just so damn fun, and it felt huge, man. It was really cool.
2: Also, at that point, because we didn't even bring – there's so much other stuff we didn't bring up, like first ever Undisputed Champion. But the bit that he did with Mickey Rourke, which led to his match with Ricky Steamboat is one of the most purely like just great moments in wrestling history to see Steamboat get that proper send off and Jericho knowing that he's the one that gave it to him is, is a really great feel good moment as a, as a nice bookend for Steamboat's career.
1: And it will always have, you know, first AEW champion. And I mean, I think they made the right choice. Like Hangman uh, wasn't ready at the time. Some might say he's still not, but, <laughs> you know, he definitely wasn't in 2019 and Jericho was the smart choice. And I and I think as, as much as, you know, Cody does want to give himself all the credit. I don't know if you get all those licensing deals and the TV deals and shit without a guy like Jericho at the front of your company um, and, you know, being motivated to do great work. I, I would imagine that Jericho can get a lot of credit for bringing a lot of uh, other talent in seeing what he was able to do and being like oh shit this is yeah, like dr luther <laughs> bright side dad bright side oh, sorry 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 <laughs> all right, all right, all right. but yeah man i mean you know look the fact that his nepotism hire is mostly on dark and we don't have to see him like other people's nepotism hires means he totally gets the business <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like getting
0: Luther on Dark is like working in a soup kitchen. You know what I mean? You got to give it some <laughs> grace. As far as, you know, I would mentioned it before that he's the greatest ever at reinventing himself. I mean, just think about all the gimmicks. Lionheart, Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla, uh, Y2J, The List of Jericho, The, the Painmaker, uh, when he was a real serious character, The Inner Circle Leader, who I thought was, I thought he was hilarious, you know? Um, Kind of funny because you know, uh, like he was almost like the badass version of QT's gimmick. Now, I have very positive things to say about QT on this episode, by the way. And now he's got this sports entertainer gimmick, he's one of those guys in ring. I'm not talking about him not knowing that the 2000 election happened, but in ring, like he is so he can read the tea leaves so much better than a guy like Cody. And he knew he was turning heel before everybody else did. And if you saw the past couple of weeks, he had been setting up. He looked at Eddie Kingston and he's like, wow, Eddie just got more cheers than CM Punk. I need to make this guy and uh, I, I could be a heel. And he's one of these guys who always, who always is able to read the crowd, man. And he's, for the most part, he really knows what the crowd wants, which, you know, I can't unless, say unless that. it counts everyone.
1: to desecrating the Brazilian flag.
0: <laughs> I mean, but that's old, but I know he got shit for that, but that's like old school heel stuff,
1: you know? I oh, got, I know, I, but it's also like, countries should tell you that shit before you wrestle there.
0: <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, Brazil, Brazil I wouldn't think would be one of those, like, I'm sure he wouldn't do that in Saudi Arabia, but um, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> that, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, he always, you know, even like, I remember when I first saw the Judas effect, I was like, eh, I don't love this. And then he got it over, man. You know, like he's just, I mean, he's just a, a brilliant, 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 classic wrestler.
2: It's not even that it's through sheer force, like force of will. Like he would not be denied when WCW is like, we don't see it in you. He went to WWF where they felt he was too short and they were going to hold him back. And he still main evented WrestleMania. He shouldn't have right, made evented at 18, but he did. And he made the most of all of these supposed handicaps of of being too short, of people not liking the way that he worked in the ring, of being too funny when people said, you, you're not going to be successful, making people laugh as a heel. all these all these things were stacked against him, and he still continues to find ways to be successful, however many decades into his career that he is. and he's not one of those guys where, you don't want to see him anymore or a guy that you, when they do put him out there, you really have to protect him. He can go out and work with anybody. And even when I hated the Nick gauge match, he still went out there and had a great blood and guts match with, with Nick gauge, not the, not the match with Jericho where he fell off into the, the very soft padding, but he, he, can go in there Burn and wrestle rest? whoever it is, the button gets had blood and guts with Nick Gage, not the stupid blood and guts match. But where his
1: soft padding hit the soft padding.
2: Exactly. Where where it was cushion on cushion. But
1: eighteen,
0: Robert, you bring up 18, yeah, it wasn't that great of a match. But then the next year he had match
2: match with yeah, And, the and they, they made the 18 match wasn't bad. It's just you were following Rock and Hogan in a once-in-a-lifetime thing where that crowd like I mean, you time travel,
1: Trish, Lita, and Jazz. <laughs> I I oh, he
2: also bad. is responsible for the best Trish Stratus moment when she turns on him and kisses Christian. Oh, like he that's orchestrated that's all he that 20, shit. Right? Yeah. It was so Great good. Shit. Like, no matter where you put him on the car, he got over that stupid blinking jacket. When he knew that the crowd hated it the first week and that it was, oh, it was all fantastic. a heel ploy, was so fucking good.
3: And wasn't that Dude, remember that Rumble return where Dolph Ziggler came out at one was like, I don't care who's number two, and it was Jericho. That's one of the biggest pops ever.
1: Yeah. Well, that was the thing was that the light, the light bright jacket. He didn't talk for a few weeks. He wouldn't talk, and he
2: just, and he just <laughs> let it milk and the crowd because they were so excited to have him back, and that was his heel turn. Of just I'm just gonna go save out there us and
3: Y2J, play. which was that save us. That was a little weird. That I
2: was think that the was that second time. return. Yeah, it, he's had so he, many different ones. And then he feuded with Punk. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, not I mean, for save, few, save you know, us. He had yeah. save us was around 24. Like save us, he did Horton. Then he had that weird feud with JBL. And then they're like, all right, let's turn him into a heel again. Dude, yeah. Remember,
3: he feuded with Punk, and Punk was actually remember he was going to tattoo Punk. That was what they were going to do. Yeah, but Vince was like, no, you can't do that. So they, um, Jericho like poured liquor all over him, and then he slipped on it. Oh, that was so brutal, man. I remember watching that live and just, ah, uh, soul was. I didn't love
0: that feud. Yeah. I, I think, no, they, it wasn't.
3: It wasn't. It wasn't great.
0: No. They put a hat on a hat. Uh, you it know, was Robert very Super Jericho Rage. AJ,
3: where you're like, this is supposed to be better than it is. I'm glad it's happening and it deserves to happen on a big stage. But,
0: yeah. Well, the reason that got fucked up, I think, was they blew the match. They had a really good match the night after the Rumble and they should have
1: just saved it man they should have just saved it um well they also fucked up because at the mania match you know uh they had a stipulation that they added right before the match started you're just like what the fuck
0: yeah it was it was a little bit but you know i don't really put that on him no
2: no creative they fucked him like the way they fucked with him in his last mania that the feud with him and kevin owens was great and he was offended that they put it on so early on Mania, when he felt it was one of the only hot storylines they had going into the show. And he was right, that Bowen's turn with how over the list was and how over that, because it was a heel-heel storyline. And then the crowd was super into Chris Jericho and they kind of dropped the ball with that. And that was what led to him ultimately being like, all right, I'm gonna step away and AW's gain.
0: Well, so uh, Chintz McMahon, that was awesome when he called James Ellsworth, man. Yes. <laughs> oh man. That was great. All hey, right. Well, yeah, yeah. We, 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 re- we praise him for about a half hour. Let's, let's, let's throw some dirt on him. Mike, uh, you, uh, dealer's choice, buddy.
1: Uh, Robert, you go first. <clears throat>
2: uh, all right. The roast of Chris Jericho. Today we are roasting Chris Jericho, the Ayatollah of rock and rolla. Though unlike the actual Ayatollah, the only gas Jericho was concerned with was the one that gave him bacne. (laughs) Jericho Jericho was once known as Lionheart. Lionheart sounds like one of the snake oil pills he would plug on his podcast. (laughs) (laughs) In a classic bit from the Attitude Era, Jericho peed in a teapot and Regal drank it. Somehow urine wasn't among the top 20 most dangerous toxins William Regal has ingested. (laughs) <laughs> the jericho cruise stuck on a boat for three days with nothing but washed up wrestlers washed up glam rock bands and wrestling fans i'd rather spend my time on that floating prison from captain america civil war and yes mike <laughs> i know it's called the raft relax
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> can you hear the words coming out of my mouth Yes, Chris. It's because you can't stop screaming on commentary. The headset has a microphone. (laughs) Early in Chris's career, he was in a tag team with Lance Storm called the Thrill Seekers. To Lance, thrill seeking is when you have caffeine after 8 (laughs) (laughs) p.m. I love Jericho's debut in the WWF with The Rock. It was a real sight to behold. The Great One, toe-to-toe with the Proud Boy. (laughs) <laughs> Jericho of course is in the band Fozzie Fozzie's music is so bad it's why John Lithgow's character in Footloose band dancing <laughs> the full name of the band was Fozzie Osborne named of course for the Muppet Jericho felt a kinship of sorts with Fozzie since Fozzie has a hand up his ass Well, Jericho has his own head up his <laughs> Jericho used to be famous for wanting to break the walls down He had spent the last six years playing to an audience who wants to put the fence up. (laughs) Jericho is the man of a thousand and four holds, yet it only took one to subdue his wife on January 6th. (laughs) Say what you want about Chris Jericho, but he's the most feminine looking person Triple H has ever fucked. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the hundreds of people who got covid and Sturgis, seeing his band perform were told they had a y2j problem i'm joking those fuckers couldn't afford healthcare. Mm. <laughs> the only difference between being a jericho-holic and an alcoholic is that drinking might actually get you laid <laughs> jericho is the demo god if your demo is guys who think joe rogan is too cerebral here's my Scott joke it was fitting that Jericho feuded with Stephanie McMahon since Chris is from Winnipeg whereas Stephanie loves to peg (laughs) Jericho was invited to join QAnon until they were disappointed to learn that Codebreaker was a wrestling finishing hold and not a way to decrypt Nancy Pelosi's web of lies (laughs) the thought of jobbing to Bret Hart made Shawn Michaels lose his smile while an interview segment with Chris Jericho made Shawn lose his ability to make eye contact which is also why Shawn became Mike's favorite wrestler (laughs) Jericho wrestles full time with AEW where his nickname is the influencer and tours full time with Fozzie where his nickname is Moon Goose McQueen at this point the only nickname he avoids hearing on a weekly basis is dad (laughs) By the way, Moon Goose McQueen sounds like Scrooge McDuck's drag name. (laughs) Chris Jericho hosted the game show Downfall, which is somehow a more depressing time than watching the Hitler movie Downfall. (laughs) You know Jericho's career once hit rock bottom because he was a contributor on Best Week Ever. Hey, Dan! Never mind.
0: (laughs) Man, there's been like five Best Week Ever St. Germain jokes. Keep going.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The gift that keeps on giving more Uh, jokes than on best week ever.
2: (laughs) Talk is Jericho is a major podcasting hit. I
0: had a recurring segment. Keep going.
2: Talk is Jericho is a major podcasting hit. Jericho is the only successful wrestling podcaster not currently owned by Conrad Thompson. The downside is we'll never get to hear his save with Conrad ads. The mortgage of Jericho save your house, man. (laughs) <laughs> and finally Jericho created so many memorable moments in wrestling who can forget the festival of friendship or as the media called it the insurrection on congress
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's a perfect one uh, stuff. all right uh, welcome both. to the Chris Jericho de-appreciation society it's a great name guys great name uh, <laughs> today we're roasting Chris Jericho it's time to bring the of the united states capitol (laughs) yes yes it was his wife at the capitol and not him but he does share those beliefs after all their vows mentioned till the death of democracy do us part (laughs) we get it you wanted trump and people wanted hogan and rock to main event wrestlemania 18 but they didn't complain they just left during your match If you support immigrants, Medicare for all, and tighter gun laws, then you just made the list. (laughs) He's a hardcore Republican and firmly believes in the right to bear arm bars. He became anti-vax and anti-mask when he had to cancel Fozzie concert dates because of COVID, proving that, yes, we are now doing a bright side to COVID. (laughs) <laughs> what can you say about the career of a guy who never shuts the fuck up about his own career this is the first roast that will be turned into a book by the person that we're roasting
3: Everybody <laughs> <laughs> he does this <laughs> listen to chris
1: jericho interview someone on his podcast if you want to learn all about chris jericho so, yeah, I understand that racism is real, Keith Lee. I, I've been discriminated too. I remember how much everyone judged me for putting Ralphus on TV. Mm-hmm. Remember <laughs> Ralphus? <laughs> yeah. On 9 11 last year, he posted a photo of himself smiling next to the World Trade Center with the hashtag never forget. Let's be honest if he didn't make 9 11 about himself, there's no way he'd believe it existed. <laughs> He brags about winning a shoot fight with Goldberg. Take some advice from the nurses at my grandma's retirement home in Boca. Keep it to yourself when you beat up old Jews. That way you get to keep the watches. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's two ways that joke could go. And they both were intended. Okay. Uh, First got it. Famous for being the more charismatic half of a tag team with Lance Storm, which is like me bragging about being the more emotionally stable person in a friendship with Dan St. Germain. (laughs) He's not as good an author as Mick Foley or as successful a podcaster as Steve Austin, and he hasn't crossed over into the mainstream like Cena, Batista, or The Rock but none of them can say they performed on the side stage at Sturgis. Suck it, Wayne.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they headline
1: my best, Wayne, but you weren't eighth from the top in MacGruber, pal. <laughs> <laughs> he can never be John Cena because he's politically the opposite of a peacemaker. <laughs> <laughs> Moxley was able to beat Jericho to become AEW champion and be the only one of the two to admit they have a drinking problem. jericho lost his championship wrestling belt in a longhorn steakhouse in tampa florida in case you were wondering what's the most tampa florida thing to happen in tampa florida (laughs) besides the hulk hogan sex tape (laughs) and finally the toughest night of jericho's life was the day he found out chris benoit murdered his wife child and the chances of anyone ever talking about his four-star ladder match again (laughs) <laughs> oh, my glory everybody. All right, Scotty.
3: All right, it's me. Some of my references are like uh, Roberts. Okay, here we go. Chris Jericho is Bret Hart if Stu wasn't the mayor of the town in Footloops. <laughs> he isn't on wrestling's Mount Rushmore, but he has reached the Capitol. He has zip ties and antlers on his head. My goodness. He used to call himself Lionheart and he calls Nancy Pelosi Lion Bitch. <laughs> Despite what people say, Fozzie is actually a really talented bear. <laughs> people think he sucks at comedy. He's good. He's funny. Fozzie's funny. Fozzie sounds like if the band Poison was poisoned. <laughs> The last time a wrestler rocked this hard, Kerry Von Erich got the call that David died in Tokyo. <laughs> uh, he's thin now. The last time he lost this much weight, he got drunk at a Longhorn Steakhouse and lost the belt there. Uh, his first year in WWF, he got heat for working stiff with China. Up until then, China only experienced soft or semi-hard. <laughs> He invented money in the bank after thinking, what doesn't Juventud Guerrera have? <laughs> money in the bank. While being great at submissions, he's actually tapped more than Dean Milenko holding a pencil. <laughs> Uh, he oh, delivered God. as advertised. <laughs> oh, you just got that mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he delivered as advertised at Blood and Guts when he bled while having a gut.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: he had a finisher called the Codebreaker, and anyone who fucks Dan is a chode taker. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man,
1: it's this
3: is so dumb. It's so he stupid. fought Goldberg backstage, so when he says you made the list, you know it's not Schindler's. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ. He recently teamed up with 2.0. 2.0 is what he blew into a breathalyzer at a traffic stop. <laughs> His commentary is Sam Kennison right after the crash. Ah! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> commentary sounds like the moment you see your dog throwing up on the carpet. Don't do it! No! Back down, T-Martin! <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Fozzie is a garage band. So long as you add a B after the R.
1: <laughs> there we go. Garbage
3: band guys, that's a thinker. Yeah.
1: The only, the only, mm-hmm. the only. Da, 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 da. Oh, Scott, I just <laughs> got it. Dean Malenko has Parkinson's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess it's me doing a little bit different.
0: I couldn't find a scarf for this guys, so I'm just gonna do this red tie. But uh here we go. <laughs>
3: He's, he's rocking back and forth. I
0: am filled with the cheapest of booze. Throwing <laughs> up on the Jericho cruise. Now I will cry and pout. Shamrock shake sold out. her jog away. I am cold like my match at 18. When I take off my shirt, you all scream. If my ring gear smelly? Must be Kelly, Kelly. Embraced by the Benoit, I'm banned from most flights. This biker vest is on too tight. What have I become now that I've betrayed all the fuzzy bandmates who thought they were getting paid? And I've been a slave with hunter in my mind. Is there something left for me to save? Or will I live Luther's life, Serpentino? I'm, I'm become, I'm becoming, I'm becoming, I'm becoming, I'm becoming. Hunter in, Hunter in my mind, I'm become, I'm, become, I'm becoming, I'm becoming, I'm, become, I'm becoming. Sledgehammers, Sledgehammers are gay, dun, 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 dun. Sledgehammers are gay, and well, I hope that you like my dope riffs. My wife left on January 6th. And each account is haunting me. Embraced by the bandois, I'm banned from most flights. Driven <laughs> home by Lampstorm, he's nice. What have I become now that I've betrayed? Tony Khan Alvarez and creepy Uncle Dave. And I've been a slave to the hunter in my mind. Made it weird with the acclaimed because I keep saying jive. You Jaff, you Jaff. I'm become, I'm become, I'm becoming, I'm become, I'm becoming. Hunter in, in, Hunter in, I'm in my
3: mind. Become,
0: I'm becoming, I'm becoming, I'm, I'm becoming. Lemmy should have been my best friend.
3: <laughs> hey! Oh, that was great, man. That was fantastic. All right. Wow. Okay, we did it. Oh. <laughs> yeah man also jericho all-time great drunk probably right like oh, yeah drunk is probably such honest. a fun drunk hang and even when he does start a fight when he's drunk you're like ah, oh, the guy the guy kind of deserves it like whoever he fights with kind of deserves it every time
1: oh, even the which... flight attendants are like he's fun when he's drunk <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh i didn't tell you the story but one of my
0: 100 relapses I was on a flight and I was a uh, drunk watching Jericho promos. And then I get a tap, <laughs> I get a tap on my shoulder and, uh, I say, Hey man, what's up? He goes, you're watching my son. And it was Ted Irvine.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, he was, uh, and then
0: like we shook hands. He was like super nice. Great guy.
3: Anyway. Oh, cool, man. <laughs>
0: all right, let's get to show in hell. We uh, watched the pilot of downfall. Um, Look, man, I do think uh, after watching this pilot, you know, the show's really, really stupid. But I do think that he could have been like, he's good at this. He's like a good host.
3: Um, well, yeah, he's a good host and that host suck. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> your job is to fucking stink. You know, I mean, the
0: Hooters thing was a little weird.
3: But... <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it was, was this show also too soon in terms of 9 11? <laughs> like, it felt like it was like a little close. If, uh, what
3: year did it come out? I like, don't know. It was like
0: 2011. Yeah. I mean, the entire set looks like if the devil designed a hard rock cafe. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, you know, if you want to hear like anything we say is going to pale in comparison to the John Oliver bit about it, it's, it's tremendous if you haven't heard it yet. Um, oh, I have not heard it. Mike you're probably the biggest game show fan um why don't
1: you think this got a second season I think because the gimmick is kind of repetitive where you see it once you've seen it like honestly once because the whole thing is they're asking trivia questions while shit falls off a treadmill onto like a street um which by the way Gallagher did at the end of one of his specials where he just threw a bunch of watermelons. Like you see that once and it's great, but I don't think the game show components themselves were that great. The questions weren't that fun. I mean, when you look at like successful game shows, I I think that, yeah, it's like the, you know, who wants to be a millionaire? Like you look at that and it's just the questions and it's the phone a friend and this it's like, they overthought it. And then like, when the person loses they get dropped but they get dropped so safely which i mean they have to drop them safely but it's like you might as well not even do it if it's gonna look yeah bad. it's very
3: much what's the point it becomes a ride yeah so you're watching thanks Hart. like see so yeah, <laughs> you're watching someone do like a carnival ride though you know yeah no, not even no... like a not even a theme park ride a carnival ride
2: I think the worst part about it is there's less than zero stakes because the gimmick is all the prizes are on a treadmill, except it's replicas of the prizes. So you're not even <laughs> watching the prizes be destroyed. If the show was more fun, you should have had to have turned over things that matter to you and put them on the treadmill. And then like watch, your, those kids? watch like your kids or
1: something Dude, or a this, couch. Robert, there was this show in the 90s. I don't know if you remember, called Trashed on MTV. And it fucking rolled. And this show I love because it was like a trivia contest and they, you would give your prize possessions. And if you lost, they would destroy them. Yes. Yeah, so so I remember like that. someone had like a Prince jacket, like autographed by Prince and everything. And they just like set it on fire. They would just like, you know, this is like, you know, a, a, a you know, a bike that my dad gave me and they would just like put in a trash compactor and fucking rule because TV can- had some great game shows. They were actually selling, like, oh,
3: shit, I'm not going to have this thing anymore. <laughs> Singled you know, Out did. was a fun show. That's the only real game show <laughs> I remember being no, in. There was, remote there Control, was, I don't remember, but I'm a Colin Remote Stein Control fan, was so.
2: great, but, like, there was a show called Idiot Savant. That was a really fun show that was, like, pre-internet, but, like, it was super nerdy. Dan's Dogs loved it. Um, and the idea was you would pick your category if you made it to the end. And I remember anytime somebody picked The Simpsons, it was always the best because they would ask the most like specific, weird, narrowly tailored Simpsons questions. And you'd watch like a diehard fan just fucking eat it. And it was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, but okay, what's better, Nickelodeon
3: Nickelodeon game shows or MTV game shows? Nickelodeon game shows, I think. Man, Double Dare. um, Well, Double Dare is fun when you
2: realize that Mark Summers has a fear of germs. Oh, that's amazing. It makes it even better. That makes it 10 times more fun to watch.
3: (laughs) Did I ever tell you that I worked, so, like a year ago, two years ago, um, I worked at this, I'm not going to say what it's called, but we just did, like, a ripoff of of Double Dare. And it was just basically called Double Dare. Anyway, um, we had slime, and we poured it on kids' heads, but but slime is, like, copywritten by Nickelodeon. So we just called it Boogers. It was just straight-up Boogers. And we'd go, oh, boogers are on your head now. Like, it was just extremely stupid. I also love that, like, those random
2: shows. That's how sometimes I found out who comedians were. Like, I knew who Paul Provenza was because he hosted Nickelodeon's Kids Court.
1: Oh, yeah. And I I would be like. Oh, so if you want to know what it's like to be the son of a comedian, um, I was watching Nick Arcade. And the host was a guy named Fillmore. Yes. And my mom just walks in and she goes, yeah, I did a weekend in uh, Fort Myers with him. (laughs) Hack. Oh, my gosh. By the way, Nickelodeon dropped
2: the ball because Xavier Woods desperately wanted to bring back Nick Arcade and was basically willing to do it for free. And they still didn't pull the trigger on it.
3: And you know the Mark Summer story about how he stopped doing uh, Double Dare, right? It was like at its peak, he was on tour uh, with it, and then his son, like it was either a phone call or just one day he like, you know, when when he went to visit, he was like, why do you play with other kids and not me? Oh, Uh, no. And the next day he quit, and he was like at the peak, and he just quit because he couldn't hear his son say that, yeah. Anyone
2: else hear cats in the cradle playing in their mind right now? Yeah.
3: So now picture that, right? But it's wrestling. And the else... dad going, uh, "Sorry, I can't hear you because he's getting head from a uh, hooker."
1: Yeah, and in wrestling, and wrestling someone says that and they're like, "Well, I'm sorry some, but I just got to be out there at the Omni." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I promise I because well, the kids got one.
3: paying parents, that's why. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, Cody proved that
2: having Dusty around wasn't going to make you a better person. <laughs>
0: Also, I wanted to say, uh, um, every single joke that Jericho makes in this was, uh, are you guys going to fuck? Whether it was like a guy or a girl, it was
2: all like, oh, the, Who's best, that was, the best part was the first woman comes out and he's totally hitting on her until she points out her husband's a fighter pilot. And you immediately see Jericho lose interest. Like you can <laughs> pinpoint it to the second where he's like, I have a shot. I have a shot. I don't have a shot. All right, fine. Let's get this over with. But,
1: and she <laughs> says herself that she was like, in the service for like six years and he doesn't say like thank you for your service or anything And it's like dude you've been in america long enough. <laughs> you're not canadian <laughs>
3: also,
1: which by
2: the way side, say- side note of on that on that exact line i just want to do a plug and a fuck you mike wrote for the uh, independent spirit awards this year so I, i'm like oh i'm gonna watch that i started watching it today and there was and i stopped when there was a line from one of the movies where like thank you for your service why when i blew up the hospital I was like, Jesus, fuck! This is the most depressing thing ever. Uh, That was all.
1: That was Mike's best joke. (laughs) Robert, I appreciate the support. You don't have to watch everything I write. For the same reason, I will never watch WWE from 2005
2: to 2005.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, wait till you hear our Patreon schedule for the spring. (laughs) Uh, Revolution. All right, guys, let's get to uh, the uh, the meat of the show: some recaps and reviews. Uh, AEW put on another banger in my mind—the uh, Revolution Review. Hell yeah, uh, banger, dude! Banger yeah. and
3: banger. Dude, and, Jeff Hardy and, wasn't and, even there, and I was standing watching, bobbing back and forth like him in his debut. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, just,
0: let's just take the buy-in. All what was when one fell swoop, the buy-in was uh, Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander, QT first hook, which is the only match in the buy-in I watched. And, uh, all I'll say about that is too long, but I like the finish and house of black versus, uh, pen, uh, death triangle with Eric Rohan as the, uh, replacement for Phoenix. Any thoughts on
3: the, uh, buy-in show guys? It was great. And the, uh, the trios match at the end is like, uh, I, I wish that was on dynamite or something because it was really, really good. And, and Eric Redbeard. uh, he, he he was great in it. And I'm obviously, I'm glad he took the pin. And I'm not saying he necessarily needs to be signed. But he, he did look great in the crowd like.
1: I think well, you know, t- I mean, Hook and QT should have been the main event on the main show. But that's, you know, whatever. Um, sure. I will say the one thing that I didn't like was a GoGo go is just back. And they didn't make a big deal of it. He's just in the stable again. I really, really think that that guy could be a star. He looks fucking great. Him, like, punching people out,
3: rules, I don't know why there was no fanfare for his return. Well, I think because uh, he sucks in the ring, right? He can't wrestle, and so it was like he was Cody's guy, and now Cody's gone, so it's like... He wasn't that well, great in the ring. Yeah. You can make well, he's not a wrestler. He, like,
1: just started wrestling last year, right? You can make something yeah. of him. Don't, But don't, don't have him come back and not make a
3: deal of it. Yeah, sure, sure. If they
1: if you can make Hook a
2: thing, you can make a go-go a thing, and then to that end, the hook QT match went a little long. Cause there were parts where hook was selling where you're like, Oh, he, he needs to feel special. He shouldn't be selling this much for QT. Like he should have just yeah. annihilated QT. Cause the crowd, that's what the crowd was there for, for it. And they're not going to be upset and be like, Oh, you need to give him like offense. They just want to see him just destroy guys. And if that's what you've got with Q with, with hook, just give it to him. you you know, you, who are you protecting by giving QT Marshall any yeah. kind of offense whatsoever?
3: this is how you make the offense better and the match better is you pretend QT is a guy, a guy who just got back to his house, uh, home early from vacation and his daughter's having a party. And so everybody runs away, but hook is the kid who stays to fist fight the dad. Yeah. But you don't want to see the
2: dad punching the kid. You just want to, see no, the but kid, it happens. You
3: know? It happens. Though. It may you, happen,
2: you, but this isn't, you, you know,
3: you never saw a dad and a kid fight on a lawn. <laughs> the dad gets in some shots.
2: I,
0: I
3: think
1: up Thursday, just so <laughs> no. Scott just starts crying from emotional recall. <laughs> well, I think I think they're finally figuring out QT's character. Just uh, you know, we won't have to talk about this at Dynamite now. But the thing with him and Keith Lee, like I love if every different and fight he can't win. And if finally Mike, he finally finds does, I'd love that. Oh, I said, it, up. can you repeat that? You, no, if QT's gimmick now is just him picking a fight every week with a different person like and pivoting, like, all right, well, it didn't work with Hook. Now I'll we'll go to Keith Lee, but it's always somebody that's way above him. That's awesome to me. That, that is the best use for QT.
0: I, I agree. I just wish that Hook's first competitive match was not with QT. But let's get to the actual show. Like I said, for me, I think match of the night was Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. I, I thought this was a perfect match um it had a ton of heat Eddie extending his hand at the end was 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 awesome uh Jericho immediately knew he was a was a heel in this and that's how he worked JR was really good in this yeah I mean I have nothing but positive things to say about it I I thought that they were gonna you know have him you know maybe not do the nut shot but like give him a Judas effect during the hand shake or something like that but they you know they waited for the next
1: night which is totally fine um what did you guys think of this match mike yeah man i mean you know it's like funny in the attitude era like they would always open with godfather because it was like you know he's over and people like him and he's recognizable i love like AEW using kingston in a similar you know not that he's as gimmicky but like you give a shit about him and the second that he's there you're invested in his match guy can cut one promo and you're already you know seeing it as the most important match in eddie's career and it felt that way and it was awesome you know it felt like he should have won and he did and i i thought that it started things off on a on a positive note and man you know yeah we're talking about jericho this week fucker you know stepped up and you know the not shaking his hand we got look like that's part of why I like that we do the recaps a few days later, because we did see the payoff of that and it made sense Um, as opposed to if we just like reviewed it right after. So I, I, I liked it a lot. And um you know, Ruthie is probably really, pre- I want Ruthie in the fucking crowd at every Eddie Kingston match. I want his mother. Yeah. I want his brother there. <laughs> I want it like, I want it like Martin where it's Eddie Kingston in a wig. <laughs>
3: No, I, want, I
2: want her there with the sign that says i want grandkids <laughs>
3: <laughs> i want her right. handing out meatballs like uh, adam sandler's grandma and the wedding singer <laughs> <laughs> scott
0: what did you uh what did you think of this match
3: oh i loved this yeah this was unbelievable uh aw has done a really great job of i like the last three pay-per-views the opening matches have just blown me away right the one was uh was it Miro and Brian, and then or, Miro and Kingston, Kingston, right? Miro and Kingston, and, and then Darby and the MJF. Other? Unbelievable! I mean, it's just, and the crowd. And it, man, it, Brian
0: Cage is really good.
3: Yeah, and the crowd is just so explosive, and just to you know, you start the show, and 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 it's on full blast, and they're just going crazy for Eddie as they should. This is Jericho's best match in years, probably since the Tanahashi match which is like two or three years, something like that. Um, and I think it's better than the Tanahashi match. Yeah, this was phenomenal, man. This is, remember when Eddie Kingston showed up and we were like, he's great on the mic, but you know, his gear is shitty and there's no way he can really wrestle. And then he was like doing all right. We're like, okay, he can kind of wrestle. He's and really then, good. And then he just knocked it out of the park with guys, man, that punk match. And, and this one, I mean, Kingston is the shit. He just had one of Jericho's best matches. Uh, yeah, I love this. Robert?
2: Yeah, I think the the perfect thing about this was the way they calibrated this match. You had several matches on this show, deeply personal issues, This thing felt deeply personal the way that they wrestled. This didn't just feel like they went out there and had a a straight up wrestling match. We sometimes criticize that where it's like, this is a really hot feud. And then they go in there and it's collar and elbow tie up and yada, yada. This felt like when they were hitting each other, it felt like it hurt. There were points where Kingston was letting himself get dropped on his head and the back of his neck. That just looked brutal. And you knew he was doing this to sell this match. And the perfect thing about this was, it was only 13 minutes. It was the right length of time. It didn't go too long. It didn't feel abbreviated. You felt like you had a whole story in a very short amount of time. And after such a brutal match, something as simple as not shaking the guy's hand got more heat than if Jericho would have hit him with a chair or, or dropped an anvil on him or something. It was just great storytelling from both guys and the perfect kind of match for them to have.
1: And, oh, yeah, I was going to say the the opening of just, what, the suplex or whatever, where you just immediately start with this move, and it felt like it had an effect on the rest of the match was... Mike? Idea. It was great. Mike, you, you broke up a little bit. Oh, sorry. Oh. But I said I love that the opening suplex, that, like, Eddie went right after him. And, and it gave the thing a sense of urgency. Yeah, I mean, he did have bunk bed. He's really great
0: at that. Next, we had a triple threat tag team title match. I thought this was great. I, I will say, and I thought that the one on Raw was great too, between um, uh, Alpha Academy, RK Bro, and and Seth and Kevin. I, I, I don't like, in general, the psychology of these triple threat tag. I don't understand why you don't have all three guys in the ring, and then they they tag somebody in. Um, it's just a little weird, like why would you tag in somebody from another team? Having said that, this was probably the best triple threat tag team match I've ever seen. Uh, I think we need to start talking about Brandon Cutler as possibly the best stooge of all time, or at least the best since Briscoe and Patterson. he's, he's amazing. And I'll just say this, man, at this point, if you say you don't like young Bucks matches, I mean, you're just lying or you hate fun. I think, like, I, I, I understand some of it gets a little gimmicky. I understand if you don't like them in the Ghostbusters outfit. But for the most part, man, they, they put on great, great matches. Uh, Robert, what do you think of this?
2: I don't like Young Bucks matches a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, because they can be, they sometimes are super gimmicky. But when you're in a triple threat tag, they don't have the opportunity to do all of their shtick. And I think that's part of why this was more palatable than most. I I think they knew the story you're telling is Fish and O'Reilly against the Bucks and then Jurassic Express were just sort of window dressing. So giving little spots for Jungle Boy to shine was a great idea because it was like you're interrupting the match you really kind of want to see, which is those two teams go at it with, oh, by the way, it's the tag champs. And I, I, overall I thought it was it was very good. I don't think it was the greatest triple threat tag match of all time. I don't think it was the greatest triple threat tag match I saw this week. Uh, but I thought it was a very solid triple threat match that honestly in two, three weeks time, I'm probably not gonna remember that it happened. And that's because they tend to put out a lot of really great good, really solid matches. We
3: forget. <laughs> right. So many it, great matches that we forget the the pretty great ones and only remember the extra great ones. I agree.
2: Right. Not a bad problem to have.
3: <laughs> Scott, uh, what, what did you think of this match? Yeah, man, this match was a blast. Uh, super fun. This is like a video game match. These matches never used to have. I don't remember these things other than in video games. And at least in the video games, you know, it was like tornado, you know, and that made more sense. And these matches become tornado matches anyway. Uh, I thought it was a blast. I thought Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus looked the best they've ever looked. Um... And some of the spots they've been doing lately are super inventive and a lot of fun. And obviously the bucks killed it and red dragon were great. Yeah. Awesome. These first two matches you go, Oh my God, already best pay-per-view so far this year. And I know it's only, you know, March now,
1: but. Take that day one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd say of of all the matches where, you know, little guys got kicked in the face a lot. Uh, this was the best one. Um, It just, you know, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Dan. I, I don't get how, like, because they all devolve into chaos. So when they start with some sense of order, but the sense of order doesn't make sense, I don't get why there's only two guys in the ring at the beginning. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but, you know, yeah, this shit's fun. And I really do feel, you know, the most important thing was that I think yeah, you had the Bucks and uh, Red Dragon story continuing. Um so, is their gimmick just naming themselves after a mediocre Silence of the Lamb* sequel? Is that is that just you? are got to see *Man Manhunters* great.
2: What'll be fair, yeah. Mike? Hannibal was already taken.
1: Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> you know, it is mine. Um, <laughs> and then uh, it's just Brett, but with like more. I thought you were doing an impression of you. I just realized it's, just, it's just Brett with more strokes. Uh, bread bread strokes it's like no uh i i thought yeah this was fun and yeah jungle boy really stood out and and so does i mean i i love the classic big man little man where the big guy gets the fucking hot tag and goes house on everybody it's not as special here because the tags don't make as much sense but it was still yeah this was fun well next up we have a face of the revolution match I don't think I like this as much as everybody
0: else did. I, I thought that powerhouse Hobbs actually stole the show in this. He looks great. Um, look, they, they had some inventive spots. The stuff with Cassidy was, was inventive. I'm not saying that it wasn't inventive. It was. But, yeah, for me, it's just, you know, I kind of like ladder ashes to be brutal, which I know, you know, they're really dangerous, and that sucks for the guys. I didn't love the finish. The power bomb, I thought, looked... Not so great. Um, not so and,
3: great. He landed on his neck. It looked brutal. Yeah,
0: I don't think it looked great for me, but I don't know. Uh, Keith Lee. God damn and I it.
3: Think they, Dan, you need not pay attention to the match. It looked great. You can't just I, say I it, it looked like great it. when everybody I goes, just, oh, the I guy just, looked like he died.
0: I just put, put over a Young Bucks match for five minutes, okay, Scott. You I, I, up I can't shit. Look. What uh, are you talking Keith,
3: about?
0: And Keith Lee, I thought he's doing some indie stuff that I don't think necessarily translates yet to the big show but i don't know i i just you know so far i just i i haven't i haven't seen the keith lee that i saw it evolve or even the keith lee i've seen at nxt and but it is early in the run so Man, scott, his voice why, right yeah he, he sounds defeated scott tell me why i'm wrong about this match
3: well, no. I mean, you're not wrong about Keith Lee sounding defeated and 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 looking, you know, not as great as he's ever looked. Like Keith Lee looks the worst he ever has, and that's not good. Um, especially when you're supposed, you know, the idea is you're going to a place that makes you happier. Like it doesn't mean you go to a place where you get to divulge in your fucking problems, you know. But if you look at Jericho and and, and Moxley, that's what happened at first, right? Anyway, um, I thought this match was great, man. I thought the Cassidy spots were really funny. You know, ladder matches, I'm not a fan of ladder matches. I think, uh, you know, they're super contrived, and ladders are awkward, and there's a lot of botches because you can't control the thing. So in terms of that, I thought this ladder match did great. It exceeded my expectations for sure. I thought everybody had their moment, and the right guy won. And, yeah, that Cassidy spot where he uh, held on to it and then flipped up, that that was a lot of fun.
1: Mike, what do you think of this match? I thought the placement was bad because the match before it was just a ladder match without ladders, <laughs>
3: <You know? laughs>
1: which is a better match. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just yeah, it was just a TLC match without the TLC, and so to have another car crash match right after, I thought was really not good placement. Um, I almost to the point where I was like, "Well, you definitely want the tag titles on the show." I was like, "I don't," I didn't. I didn't feel like this needed to be on the show. Um, and I, I often do like ladder matches. I just don't get, like, why they're doing this for the TNT title. You know, putting, like, this much on the line. Like, I know it's supposed to get the title over more, but it it didn't, honestly. I felt like these, these guys, like, it should have been a world title contender match, especially, especially because... And you look at, like, you know, you just had Dante against, you know, uh, Paige. It could have been the, the winner of this, I feel like. So I just didn't. Oh, yeah, I hear
3: you on that. But, you I know, then, that. again, it becomes money in the bank. Um, but it's it's money in the bank. Yeah, it is money <laughs> you know bank. what I mean? Like It's, it's, a it's money in ladder. the bank,
1: but, it's like, by, is... by fans of Sonic the Hedgehog. So there's a yeah, giant yeah. ring in the middle.
3: I, I mean, Man, I people were pitching Cesaro debuting and grabbing the brass. That would have been real cringe, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah for sure. If you debut and make him the wild card or whatever. Robert, what did, uh, what did you think of this match?
2: Right guy won. Obviously this was, this was Wardlow and that was it. I think the bloom is off the Lee. Uh, he uh, of all the toys Tony Khan has purchased of late. I think Keith Lee is the one that he's probably looking to return Um, especially since it looks like Keith Lee probably injured orange Cassidy on that, uh, Beal, uh, the, the one spot in this that was of note was that orange Cassidy climbing up the ladder. Otherwise this was a ladder match. And I think the problem is we've seen so many ladder matches. There's only so much you can realistically do to make this matter. And there were certain parts in it where the logic didn't make sense. And Jim Ross kept calling it out, which is problematic where the guys were like walking up the ramp to go fight each other because they needed to go to their next spot. And he's like, well, that's not how you're going to win the match. Well don't distract the audience and point out that like Wardlow looks stupid for doing what he's going to do. Um, It was, it was fine, but again, nothing particularly memorable about it other than you're going to remember this as, Oh, this is when Wardlow won. And it helped launch hopefully his successful career in WWE.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right well let's move on there was uh the big steining our uh, friend of the show Swerve strickland i thought this was better than christians uh pretty pretty standard um his on, best it was interview. better
3: than christians and tony accidentally revealed the name before he said it
2: yeah hmm. tony
0: doesn't and quite understand know, TV, right
3: yeah everybody knew it didn't matter yeah
2: it didn't and but the thing about it was They put him out there. So Shivani is a huge Swerve fan. He loved working with him in MLW. He was genuinely super excited for him. Um, Orlando was one of the towns that, that Shane wrestled in a lot. So they were really, really pumped for him. And that Who's House, Swerve's House pop made him feel like a big deal and a major star. So if you didn't know who he was, you're like, oh, this guy really must be something important. What a great debut. I'm sure they're not going to fuck it up a few days later on Dynamite.
1: Uh, would Would you guys say that this was his best interview of last week? <laughs> it, it was the one, the, one
0: the,
2: yeah, the one
1: you could hear the
0: best Yeah, all right next we have jade cargill versus ty conti versus the tbs title i did not see this match because i was walking my dogs but jade looked like a million bucks to come to
3: the ring you guys have any uh, comments on this match the bell hey, right yeah she's got this new thing where she kisses you it's like the kiss of death or some shit it's oh yeah i
0: saw that that was cool it's a
3: fucking blast more of that it's like don't eat it's like that's less wrestling and yet <laughs> it's wrestling though it's a move now it's fucking genius. Um. Keep doing that. These tricks where you're not wrestling. And yet I think it's a move now.
2: Yes. Wrestling her is the kiss of death. The best part of this was Jim Ross talking about how she looks like a superhero and Excalibur is like, actually, she's dressed like a mortal Kombat character. And you could hear Jim Ross wanting to kill Excalibur live on (laughs) pay-per-view. It was, it was a hundred times better than this debacle of a match. Please stop making Jade Cargill wrestle. It's just not, it's not nice.
1: Dude, man, just just to j- jump ahead, just uh, uh, because I I might forget it, but in in the last match, I, I watched it today with, with Jim Ross. is like, well, what's the difference between a liger bomb and a power bomb? And Excalibur
3: gives a sincere answer. Oh, he fucking answers him. It was great. Yeah, and and
1: and 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 Jared goes, "Well, you do know your stuff, Keat." Yeah, he's like, he's like,
3: well, I he goes, "I was just testing you." Yeah. <laughs>
1: Next
0: up, we have the MJF-CM uh, Punk dog collar match, one of our many main events of the show. Um, look, I, th- I really thought the finish was cool. I thought it was a little long. Um, I did like the Cody-Brody dog collar match and the Piper-Valentine one a little bit better. I mean, this feud has been aces fantastic. Uh, it was just, you know, they had a lot to follow, man. And... Um, I I think that, like, it was a good match. I think that the problem with, that will always, you know, it's it's a good problem that will always haunt Punk and MJF, is that, you know, their promos are otherworldly, they're fantastic, they're transcendent, they change the game, and their wrestling style is good, you know? And I think that, like, when you get to the match, you're like, you always are like, well, I wanted a little something more, just because... The program and the promos and the characters are so great. Um, But maybe, you know, I I don't think I'm being hard. I think I'm being fair. But Scott, what did you think of this?
3: Yeah, I thought it went a little too long. Uh, And the big moments in this match were spectacular. When I look back on the match, it feels like it was a huge payoff. I know when I watched the match, I was genuinely concerned because Punk was bleeding in a really fucking gross way where it was like dripping constantly. Wow, yeah. um, so I was really grossed out a lot of the match. And, and also those chains really did look like they hurt. The Wardlow moment was just unbelievable. Um, how funny that nobody acknowledges that the, you know, the chain came off of MJF right before that moment. Um, and then the ref had to like put it back on him while he's screaming Wardlow. Um, but it doesn't matter because you're trying to win the match at this point And, you have a plan that Wardlow's going to hand you a ring, so you're you're set, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I th- I thought that final moment was huge, man. I mean, that Wardlow moment is legitimately a moment that you can replay constantly, and it just works. This oh no, I can't find the ring, the GTS, and then the oh I uh, I found the ring. It's just fucking gold, man. I mean, you can't do better than that. So so hell yeah. I, I like- oh and the entrance. Um, you know, I, I Miseria uh, Kentar, I don't know how to say words, but uh, the AFI song, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I loved that. I love that in Ring of Honor. So I, I really enjoyed that. I know people were saying there was a debacle online, but I just didn't, I didn't see it. I just heard people talking about it, how some people were like, I didn't get the song and it confused me, and, which is fine. It's allowed to, you know, it still makes sense. And I thought it was really, really cool to people paying attention or who had uh, paid attention, yeah.
1: Mike, uh, what did you think of this match? Yeah, this should have been the main event. I, I I said that going in. I say that a few days later, it felt epic. MJF's entrance was fantastic. The trolling of Colt into, you know, his own song was just unbelievable. And then, yeah, Punk's entrance. I, th- I thought this was uh, Excalibur's best call in the company. He got so fucking into it, like, the wrestling yeah. nerd in him and how he was able to communicate that or he was like, this is the song he used when he was an underdog and when he fought from the bottom and you really, it felt epic. And and I agree the match itself was a little less than everything leading up to it. I, I think that was always going to be the case, especially when you had them for 45 minutes on free TV before this. I also think I I would not have done the level of blade job punk did on Wednesday. If you're gonna do this Sunday, I thought seeing it twice in one week made it a little less special and it should have been more special here. Um, but I thought, man, you know, these guys, they fucking get it. This is the, this is the wrestling I like. This is what I like about wrestling. You matches like this, these guys, like where everything fucking means something, you know, the psychology of the knee, um just everything made sense uh and yeah the Wardlow payoff at the end it's it's so interesting i know we'll talk about more at dynamite of how they handled that since uh i and and i think you know we might disagree there but um how they did it here was perfect and i feel like this should have been your final moment of the night cm punk in his old gear with all of his fans I, I thought him beating mjf was a bigger moment than page beating cole and that's how the show should have been well
0: i mean that i i agree but i i also understand the logic that you close the world title match but look you can go both ways with that robert what do you think no, of this? i think
2: mike mike's right i had said it going into it this needed to be your closing moment i think part i think the the opening stuff with with punk with the, with the music, with the fact that you're able to tell this Ring of Honor story to make the synergy of the purchase work, the way Excalibur set it up was, was perfect. Uh, the match was long, but what I, I messaged you guys after, I said, the match doesn't matter. This is built for the video package because you're going to be able to tell this story in video package for years and years to come. And you're going to show six or seven beats from this match, and you're going to remember it as being 10 times better than it was a lot of the best quote-unquote matches that have happened you go back and watch some of them they don't hold up as well as the moments you remember even the like the TLC match from Wrestlemania 17 which is a very good match is convoluted when you watch the video package you don't remember Spike Dudley and Rhino and all the weird interference you just remember Edge spearing Jeff Hardy off the ladder and it being amazing
1: yeah if you watch King of the Ring 98 from beginning to end it's a fucking slog
2: yeah, what, what hurts this match in its placement is, and this is booking 101, and it's why I sometimes get frustrated with like Tony Khan, you need to ramp up the emotion for the release for the crowd. And the, the crowd got an emotional release in Eddie Kingston winning over Chris Jericho. You got that moment. You saw the guy overcome the, the, the bully, the Jericho of old, which is the same thing as Punk of old. You got the emotional release of the Jurassic Express somehow retaining the titles despite the odds. you got the emotional release of Wardlow winning the big match in the latter match. So this was now the fourth moment on the show when the crowd was came. going to come alive came. but you yep. the, the, you didn't but those other moments didn't earn it as much as this one would have if you denied the audience a little bit and saved it for this triumphant cathartic moment of punk overcoming everything. And, and winning. And when Wardlow put that ring down, the audience came unglued, and he is the biggest star that they have going forward, which is kind of how he's been identified Uh-oh. this this whole time, I think, as potential for who they can build on. That At that moment, that was huge. And the thing about the, the blade job, Mike, is they did tell the story of because he had bled, that's why he started bleeding so quickly in this match. I do like that. I, I like that they tried to make it make sense in the same way the injury, quote unquote, to Max's hand was why he was unable to do certain things. And they continued to play that throughout the match in the same way they played the knee. The match was too long at 26 minutes. It should have been 20 minutes, but they tried everything they could to take you on the roller coaster journey, even to the point of Shivani saying, you know, Max got here earlier and was walking around the ring. He probably put that bag of thumbtacks there and knew where it was. And I'm like, wow, someone finally explained why there's a massive bag of thumbtacks under a wrestling ring it would have been a fantastic end of the show in the middle of the show. It's going to get kind of lost, except as they did on dynamite, it's going to make killer video packages for the next five years.
0: Also really nice roundhouse kick from CM Punk. Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. Um, you know, look, I I thought this match was kind of sloppy. The new women's title was tremendous looking. um, Thunder Rosa, I think, is great in the ring. It, you know, it, it 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 makes all the sense in the world why it ended the way it ended, because you know, you're gonna have the emotional win in Houston. So I thought this, you know, ultimately was was an okay match with, that that was booked very well. What did you think, Scott?
3: Yeah, look, the interferences were so we get the cage match next week. Um, it makes sense for that, but this was the pay-per-view, you know, and this match wasn't built like it should have been, because this match is a really fucking big deal, and to the point where, again, the Adam Cole and Hangman match, though I have enjoyed it, isn't the biggest deal. Uh, The women's title match could have main evented for once, you know, fine, and, you know, quickly, I mean, the company's only been around for, like, what, two, three years now, and to have, like, you know, a women's match main event, a pay-per-view, it could have happened, but they didn't build it right, and I know why, because they want Thunder Rosa to win in our hometown. And I get that that will be a big moment, but they made this moment an angle. Um, it was fine. The title looks unreal. I mean, the title is, yeah. It's, maybe it's, it's it may be
0: the greatest title in wrestling right now. I mean, it's, it's, oh, it's. Oh, awesome. yeah. Maybe I don't
3: know. He's really, really
0: nice. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what do you think of this match?
3: Yeah, man. I mean,
1: it, 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 it just feels like that Divas era. WWE, where they use them as buffers, man, and it, it sucks for them that they, you know, they follow like this really heated, gory um, masterpiece, and you know, even even you know, Jada and Ty having to go after a ladder match. It's just like, I don't know, man. I I, I feel like that that Brit and Swoll, um, you know, opening dentist match like from a couple like years ago. You know, that's the only time I think the women have ever opened. And maybe, like, Tony's, like, fucking shy about ever doing it again. But I feel like this, you know, this this is something that could have opened um, if you're not going to have it main event. Like, yeah, it should feel important, and it just didn't, man. They, you know, if you don't want your women's matches to feel like bathroom break moments, then don't put them in bathroom break spots. Is, is what I would say. You know, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't harp enough about the 925 live thing, but it's like they do fucking no uh, good to help these women uh, get this division over with the, the placement of these matches. I, I thought the match itself was... Do you,
3: do you think when the women are given t- TV time, they, they knock it out of the park?
1: I think, I think you know, uh, sometimes they do, and I think sometimes the men do, and I mean, sometimes I think, the men don't. I think-
0: I I think uh, I mean I think Thunder Rosa does I, I, I yeah. will say I don't think I don't think the division's that deep yet you know like I just don't think it's there yet you it's, know it's like, just,
1: but it, but the choices are agreed. weird like even that that four way match uh, where everybody you know was 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 bleeding and that you know uh, that wasn't even the last match of the fucking night that was you know that was just the regular women's slot that they put in the middle of every rampage. It's like that could have, you know, at least ended a show or opened a show because they've had like one or two women's main events. They've never – there's ne- the women have never opened the segment on Dynamite, and that's very telling.
0: Uh, Robert, what did you think of this match?
2: Way too long when you knew it was going to be uh, some kind of a fuck finish. Uh, you didn't need to go 17 and a half minutes where the crowd was not super invested because, quite frankly, they were emotionally spent – to some degree from the punk match. And so you put them out there to fail. And then when you see that there's everybody a- around the ring, you know, you're not getting the, the finish that you want. And so it just kind of becomes like, all right, let's, let's kind of get this over with, which is sometimes how Tony books the women's division of let's just get this over with. Like, we have to put them out there. Um, which is unfortunate because I feel like Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker keep chasing that unsanctioned match that they had, which was fantastic. And then everything else has been diminished returns. And this whole build was convoluted because it felt like Jamie Hader hates Britt Baker. And then there's Mercedes Martinez, who's suddenly a, a baby face. Like there were so many different ways that they were telling the story wasn't, wasn't done great. Uh, and, uh, I get you're you're building to a, a match on TV that's WWE's bullshit where they know that you don't have to pay for a pay-per-view you get it on Peacock. People spent, money to see this show you only do four pay-per-views a year build either build to this or don't book the match and give us something else that you knew you were gonna give brit a win
0: next up we have brian danielson versus john moxley i really love this match it felt like an ishii suzuki match in WWE, it actually felt a little like a you know the closest WWE has had that were those great Sheamus and Drew matches last year. Which you know, like say what you want about Sheamus, those matches were actually really fucking good. Um, I love the smirks with Brian throughout the match, and probably for me the 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 moment of the night, amazing finish I thought, and I thought that the um that the moment with Regal was was just absolutely tremendous and was probably my high spot of the week. Well, it is, it's not my high spot of the week, which I'll explain, but uh, it it definitely was my favorite in-ring moment of the week. Uh, Scott, what did you think of it?
3: Yeah, this match kicked ass. This might've been my favorite match. Um, It was definitely my favorite moment. I think it's, it's, it is, I'm not going to say it's the best debut of a, like book debut of a person, but it's tied with whatever are also the best moments. Like, um, you know, I thought Punk's debut in the company was was really perfect, and I think this Regal debut—it's—I mean, so well done. And man, you watch Brian Danielson, and you—you um, you, like okay, me, like I'm like I'm not an AEW Mark, I'm a fucking Kenny Omega Mark, right? So you go, well, Kenny Omega is better than uh, Danielson, right? And then you see Danielson get slapped—the uh, way he was laughing, and the way he got slapped, and the face he made. And it's like, oh, you know, he's 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 the best. Like in that moment, I was like, he's the best wrestler that's ever. Uh. Yeah,
0: he's pretty incredible. I'm not man.
3: saying he is, but in that moment, it fucking felt like that. That was perfect. I love this entire segment.
0: It's funny if you had if you took Kenny Omega style and Brian Daniels style, Danielson style and you meld them together, it would be Shawn Michaels. I just realized. <laughs> um,
3: yeah.
0: Mike, uh, what what did you think of this match?
1: Yeah, man, this was great. These two beat the shit out of each other. It was really uh, well done. Yeah, I thought the regal moment was well done. Uh, We'll we'll talk more about that, um, obviously. And, uh, I mean, it's like these guys want to be here to do this, and they're doing it, and it's fucking awesome, man. I mean, yeah, this – this it's not even a renaissance because, you know, Brian's never been – not fantastic but yeah i mean his run here has been unbelievable uh he is a guy that is his best in the ring and he yeah it's like punk's doing his best work on the mic and this dude's doing his best work in the ring and i mean you know just to say it one more time and this will be my last time this this is the first pay-per-view post cody like both these fucking guys earn their money and prove why they deserve to get paid what they do and i don't think yeah i don't think cody could have had either of these matches i don't think he could have uh, had okay
3: this. okay ready question for all of you w- would you take a match a match away from this card to replace it with cody facing anyone no right like i mean the la- I, I, mean- I wouldn't replace the latter match for a Cody
0: match, no way. I mean, maybe maybe the pre-show Layla Hirsch Chris Tatlander match. If I was, it, it that, would
3: be it would be over dramatic, and there was so many dramatic moments on this card.
1: If I was yeah. going to do anything, you so, don't need it. You don't need it. I mean, I, if I was going to book him anywhere, I would have him instead of Christian in the ladder match, but I wouldn't replace oh, yeah. the match with him in it. Yeah, sure, I, sure. I agree, Mike Robert. What do you think of this match? So it's really weird that
2: you brought that up because one of my notes was about Cody, where it was. This really hurt Cody's asking price because AEW is thriving without him. And these guys are leaps and bounds better than him. My, I'm going to sound like the wet blanket and that's fine. My biggest challenge with this match was yes. Brian Danielson is having, a, you know, some of the best stuff ever, but seeing him get dropped on his head or do the headbutts or some of that, knowing all the health issues that he has. And that sometimes he falls in love with the art of wrestling more than his own health It's very difficult to watch some of this stuff. I know he's trying to be as safe as possible, but he cares about putting on an amazing match. And some of this stuff is, there's no way to truly protect yourself and what you're doing with some of it. I really hope this doesn't lead to anything uh, serious. Uh, There was a great moment in the match where the announcers couldn't figure out where blood was coming from and who was bleeding. And it had a sense of of realism to it that I, I genuinely enjoyed. Um, like is that is that Danielson's blood on Moxley or is Moxley bleeding or it, that was kind of fun. The Regal stuff obviously was was great. The weird thing though was I always point this out with AEW they don't talk to each other. This was the second match on the show revolving around the finish having a handshake. Kind of odd. Now this one you got the handshake, but maybe you didn't necessarily I, need. I, the,
0: I didn't bump like, up against that. I, it I, just I,
2: it just struck me as odd that it's like you're building up everything with the the other handshake. And then this one ends in it. But I'm thrilled that these guys are working together. The story was told really well. Uh, and it was...
3: Ring of Honor. Main event ends in in, in Hangman shaking a knocked out Cole's uh, hand, too.
2: I'm trying to say nice things, Scott. Let's not bring up the main event.
0: Well, I like uh, the bad
3: event,
2: but we'll
0: get to it. Oh,
3: that. I did, too, of course.
0: Next up, we have the Tornado Triple Threat. Um, I was a little bit nervous because the pre the Darby video, I think, was the worst video they've done because, like, Sting came out with a blowtorch that looked like a leaf blower, and I'm like, "Oh no, what's gonna go on here?" But Isaiah Kennedy was good. This, for me, was a great garbage match. A lot of people talk about like Nick Gage matches being great garbage match. These, this was a great garbage match. It was just fun the whole time. The Spanish Fly was fucking unreal. That Sammy. Pulled. Oh man! Unbelievable. Um, it overachieved. Nobody was looking forward to this match. Look, I mean, did it slow down when they did Hardy spots? Yeah, it did. But, um, you know, for all in all, I was like, this was, I I thought this was a lot of fun, man. I was, I was like, I was totally on board with this match. Scott?
3: Yeah, man, this, I thought this was going to suck. We all thought it was going to suck. Matt Hart, Matt Hardy's in it, you know? And then it happened and it was so much fun. That sting moment, good for him. Uh, It, it really, and also by the way, you know, this, this show went long and my, my only complaint about this show, I enjoyed every single match. Only complaint would be like, Oh, some things went too long. And, um, there were things before this that went too long and I was getting tired and I really thought I was going to tune out during this. And this woke me the fuck up. This is so fun. And it was funny. Like it was just stupid fun, man. Uh, I loved it. Mike,
1: yeah, I mean, the sting the sting spot was funny to me just because, like, he he was, was it on Johnny he did afterwards. it on? Probably. What's that? I'm no, he had a
0: great press conference afterwards. He's, like, the most well-adjusted guy in wrestling. You could keep going.
1: Oh, dude, I mean, yeah, and, you know, and Jerry says north of six. I mean, yeah, he's, like, 63. But it was, I mean, the one, the one thing that detracted was, like, Andrade was nowhere near lying on the table and then he just got himself on it so that Sting could do the spot. Took me out of it a little bit. But yeah, man, this was fun. I mean, this was a much better version of that awful Lambert inner circle thing last. Yeah, uh, oh, I, I 100% pay-per-view. agree. Because they felt similar in terms of like, oh, this kind of feels tacked on, but this was really fun. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, It's the kind of thing where it's like, it didn't really fit, but at the same time, I'm glad I watched it. So I mean, I, I feel like it could have been like a it could have been a great TV main event, but you know, dude, it was fucking fun and everyone worked their asses off. Like, you know, you can't I mean, you know, you're saying what, what you want to say about Keith Lee, and it's it's kind of true, but most people in this company are not unmotivated. <laughs> no, it's just no. 100%. Robert, what do you think of this match?
2: So the match was was fine. I think the Sting spot, it was risky for Sting to do that, and I wouldn't have risked him for this kind of throwaway match. If he wants to do the the crazy dive through tables or have that moment, save it where it matters more than this match, which did feel tacked on, and I couldn't help but feel like I would have rather have seen the Andrade Darby Sammy triple threat match that we got on TV on the pay per view and save this for a ram- for a Rampage or or, or Dynamite.
3: Well, can, can I can I say something about about this thing spot? Is it yeah. also kind of we're being worked in that this isn't really a dangerous spot? Is it? It's I don't like, think it was that
2: dangerous.
0: There's no. so
3: many tables stacked on top of each other that the way you land is like it's like surfboarding down a building. It It is,
2: but you're also not in your sixties doing it where you're, you're a little bit more fragile. And that's, I think that's part of it. It's stuff for him is at a higher level of difficulty than other people in terms of being able to, to recover. Um, And I just feel like it went fine. Everything went great, but we all remember that Matt Hardy, Sammy spot. When things went awry. And if, if Sting would have bounced off the table and fallen and and hurt himself and couldn't get up and broke his hip, that would have sucked. You don't want to lose Sting. So I just feel like it was a gamble on a show where you already had big spot. The match already had a big spot with Sammy's uh, dive. So it just kind of felt somewhat unnecessary to risk Sting for this. That was all.
0: Let's get to our main event for the AEW World Championship. Did they do an upgrade on the title? Because it looked beautiful. Um, yeah, I think they did. They did. It looks really great. I think.
3: Or they just cleaned the hell out of it. Well, yeah. Ross was like, man, that new title. And they're like, no, it's just
1: very shiny. Oh, OK.
2: OK, there we go. Yeah, Excalibur was polishing it before, like Rudy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I also this is the first time I heard uh, the dapper yapper mon- uh, moniker for Justin Roberts so that was kind of fun um, look I, I actually really like this match I thought it was a solid match it, it was um, I, I liked the moment at the end I, I did think that the Wednesday duct tape did kind of take away from it um, I thought JR was really good in this match really good on this paper pay-per-view I thought Paige was really good in this match I, I do think that the problem this is the one criticism I will agree with is that Adam Cole wrestles like a babyface. So if you're trying to build a baby face, he may not be the the guy that you wrestle first because you know it's like Shawn Michaels versus Diesel. You know, like Shawn Michaels wrestled like a baby face, so it just didn't make for sometimes a great babyface. Um and uh, I don't know if the Halo armor was a great idea. <laughs> um, but Oh man,
3: yeah, that was rough.
0: That was that was. <laughs> I about
3: that. Uh, looked I like he was know. coming
1: out for a peewee football game. You know what? It, it <laughs> felt like uh,
0: you know the the ventriloquist from the um, the ventriloquist dummy. I forget his name now. From the Road Warriors, decided to be a Road Warrior. That's what Rocco. <laughs> Rocco <it>. <laughs> decided to be a Road Warrior. But I, I I did like this match. I know Scott liked it. So let's first
1: go to Mike. Mike, what do you think of this match? Yeah, man, this almost broke me um i was watching this and i thought man if i keep watching this i may not do this podcast anymore i was like i don't (laughs) i don't want to talk about this i don't want to see it this does nothing for me i hate it um the like the the person that i was in 95 when i watched jeff jarrett matches and i stopped watching wrestling for seven years is the person I am when Adam Cole is on screen.
3: Why is this? What is this? Can you connect it on like a psychological level? Is it like, yeah, did it's, someone who looks like him do something to you? Like, <laughs> let, let's figure this out. Yeah, let's do it, man.
1: It <laughs> let's just, figure this out. This is wild. You know, you know what it is, man? It's like wrestling is an escape and it's fantasy and there's nothing <laughs> like fun about him there's nothing like it just it just makes me he's cynical. very good in the ring very good promo but, you know? but none of it's believable none of it he is like roger
3: clots he's roger clots man But here's, here's
1: the thing scott i could buy when the ultimate warrior is being the shit out of people and that's why i got into to wrestling but when adam page is getting kicked by this guy and this guy's get you know fucking kicking out of lariats and stuff it just doesn't do anything for me. You know, some of it is just that, you know, that Mr. Burns episode where he wants, was it Mattingly to shave his sideburns even when he does? And he's like, no, shave them again. <laughs> like, it it, 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 part of it is irrational, but it just doesn't work for me, man. And it didn't, like, I didn't watch NXT because this guy was on. And now I don't want to watch this company because this fucking guy's oh, no. on. I just don't want to watch him.
3: Dude, what if you pretend like he has weasel bones and they're different, and that's why, like, they're more resilient or something. But the thing is the matches Scott, are so fun. Like, this was a great NXT uh main event for me. This but is Scott, what this Scott, look, 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 man. This felt like hangman in NXT. And I was like, oh, this is really cool to see hangman in NXT right now. But was, look, this is a
1: if, cool thing to see. If Cole got bit by a radioactive weasel, he would be stronger. Like you're you're asking me to buy- <laughs> You're asking me to buy Peter Parker beating someone up without the spider powers.
3: (laughs) Here's how good this match was, okay? I was very annoyed that everybody was doing the whole let's go, Adam thing. And I get it that they like it. They like both of them equally. Because there was no heat. But it becomes, yeah, it becomes like a fucking bit, right? And you go, oh, let's go, Adam, shut the hell up. And it's going and it's going. And then the match gets so good that they start going, let's go, Hangman. Let's go, Cole. And you realize you are watching a five-star pay-per-view and you start chanting under your breath A-E-W, A-E-W and your girlfriend rolls over and goes Scott, I need to sleep, I need to sleep and you go, oh, that- sorry babe and then you go, A-E-W I
1: love that Dan A-E-W. asked me what I thought of this match and then Scott just told me how to feel uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fuck you for that um, I,
2: He's, I- he's ch- <laughs> planning. Yeah, that's
1: very true <laughs> it's just i mean yeah man you like the shit you like i like the shit i like and you know we disagree on things i just this guy does nothing for me and the existential dread i felt on wednesday when he said the feud wasn't over and he's gonna challenge again maybe want to shut my tv off man like (laughs) i love i love talking to you guys i love watching most wrestling I don't like watching this guy. I don't even like talking about him anymore. Are you,
0: Mike? Are you more into Drew or Adam Cole?
1: They
3: both suck. Oh my god. Wait, Drew McIntyre? Yeah, yeah. He sucks too. (laughs) The way he's saying it, and he's like like looking down when he says it, like if he looks up, he's gonna get in trouble. (laughs) I want you to know, I'm
1: organizing my action figure accessories now (laughs) because that's how upset I am.
0: Jesus Christ not since Dustin Hoffman freaked out at a at a smoke detector have we
1: seen and yeah the Boom, halo film, adam man.
3: cole baby it's all fun it's fun, it's fun. But,
1: but okay he's supposed to be a heel there's like i said there's no fucking heat in this match if they're going let's go cole he's not doing his job as heel and then the fucking children from both sides come out like i i i felt the way about the dark order you you can say what you want about me scott i'm consistent on my dark dark order thoughts since 2019 and when they run out and then O'Reilly and Fish run out, I'm just like, get this the fuck off.
2: Oh Robert is good. Jesus. Um <laughs> sorry, Robert. No, no, please. This was this was as as bad as I expected it was going to be in the sense that it was technically a very good NXT takeover main event. And I've seen a lot of them with Adam Cole, and not a single one of them interested me enough to want to go back and rewatch him or watch NXT on a week-to-week basis when when he was there. There is a lot that's lacking with him. I think Mike doesn't like him because he feels like the stepdad to Kenny Omega, and I think Mike has issues with step-parents, so I think that may be part of it. He does! this match felt like... In There's watching, a lot going on.
0: That's a whole other podcast. That's yeah, a whole no. other
2: podcast. But I think th- this felt like watching the movie The Power of the Dog, where I'm like, it's technically a very good movie. Man, this is fucking long, and I just don't really... Well, Caratons. that's just because
0: you're a huge Sam Elliott fan, Robert.
2: That's what yeah. it is. I'm a huge Every, Sam Elliott fan.
1: Robert, both of them feature a creepy kid that's supposed to be more menacing than he is.
2: Well, no. Adam Cole is the Shrinky Dink version of Drew McIntyre. If you get him wet, he'll grow and be a regular-sized wrestler. Um, <laughs> this was such a bad booking decision, though, for, for Hangman. Hangman's title reign, we have talked about this week after week, is like dangling off a cliff. And you put him in there with Adam Cole in Orlando in front of the snarkiest, shittiest NXT crowd who loves to make it about them and no one else. So when your audience watching at home is already not all in on Hangman Page because he hasn't been in front of a live audience week after week. He's been put in backstage interviews and barely used a lot when he should be front and center. And then they see it and they feel like, all right, the audience is not entirely behind him. You're continually cutting this guy off at the knees and he'll look like Adam Cole if that happens. But I think the most frustrating part of it was if this was the story you were going to tell, tell the more compelling story. I don't need Dark Order out there. If, if Red Dragon came out there to go interfere and the Young Bucks cut them off and stop them because they have this loyalty to Hangman Page, at least you're telling your fucking story in the most interesting way possible instead of this, which felt like we're NXT team, we're going to do 17 false finishes and I'm going to see Adam Page get kicked in the back of the head 11 times until finally, mercifully, the match was over. I don't think either guy was better for it after the match than they were before it between the, the stupid halo costume at the beginning, which I know would have made Jim Ross roll over to his grave. If he could actually move uh, to to the end where you did 19 false finishes on a show where there were more compelling matches, matches that felt more personal that had blood in it, which for this audience now elevates a little more instead of, This was a really great NXT TakeOver main event, which is why NXT didn't survive on Wednesdays.
0: Scott, I'd like to
2: hear... You know what
0: I just heard? I just heard... Wait, wait, wait. wait, Scott, I'd like to hear your retort, and I would like to hear how many Flaming Bowling Pins, Scotty Meltzer Bowling Pins.
3: This is what I just heard Robert and Mike do, right? They ordered a 10-piece nugget, and and they got 11, and they complained about it. They tried to get someone fired about it.
2: I was already upset that I was ordering McNuggets. So, yeah, this, this was,
3: was already a- lovely. This was great. This was also,
1: McNuggets have more meat in them than Adam Cole does.
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, man, I really love the main event. And uh, every match had something to offer. Again, my only complaint is some went too long. Uh, I think the main one being CM Punk and MJF, even though the moments in that were super memorable and awesome. Who flaming bowling pins? It's at a five, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. 4.75, four point seven five. Four quarters. Right. Yeah. And and just in
0: case anyone's new to the podcast, Scotty Meltzer is a real person. He is a corporate magician comedian who is the brother of Dave Meltzer. These are these are these are not these are facts. Uh, I'm gonna give it four and a half. I really, I really love the beginning and the end. It it got a little slow in the middle, but uh I thought it was a great show, Mike. I'm gonna
1: go three and a half. Whoa.
3: This is nuts. (laughs) What did you have for dinner that night? What disappointed you before this?
1: Well, I had had a great okay. All right,
3: I'm gonna tell you,
1: I, I had a great night. I saw my sister, I hadn't seen her in a few years. She was like, let's watch Infinity Well, Road. you
0: can't but... compare a real emotional victory to wrestling. I mean...
1: Dan, most people that listen to us don't have real emotional victories. They have <laughs> wrestling. <laughs> That's true. Most people that do this podcast could say the same. Yeah, I guess you're right, too. I mean, most, most people uh, on this show have to defend companies because they can't defend themselves as human beings. So... <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I I thought, you know, there was a lot of great shit, but yeah, man, when when a main event breaks me uh down and makes me want to kill myself, I'm not going to give a high score.
0: Well, to be fair, there was a couple things that could have made you kill yourself. On That's true. Evening. Uh Robert, how many Scotty Meltzer Flaming Bowling kids?
1: I'm going to go
2: four. There was still a Jade Cargo match. I still had to see Matt Hardy wrestle. That women's title match was kind of pointless and uh Hook QT Marshall deserved to be on the main show. Justice for Hook.
0: All right. Well, folks, let's get to Dynamite or Dud. Uh, we are running long, so instead of doing hour one, hour two, I'm just going to tell you guys everything that happened, and I want to go around hearing your high spots and low spots and arguing with each other over who's right and wrong. Uh, open with uh, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho segment. This is where we see the debut of the Jericho Appreciation was it society? Yeah. Uh, Dante, yeah.
3: Martin,
0: Dante Mort- Martin versus Adam Hangman Page. Which for me, again, it's like, why do you put him in a babyface match after? The, anyway, um, uh, Regal promo. Debut Tony of- Khan
2: is not good at booking sometimes. Dan.
0: Well, he's he's does a lot right. Um, one of those things he doesn't do right is speaking on the microphone. But that's not the show. Uh, Regal, a fantastic Regal promo, uh, basically telling us why we should care about Mox and Davidson even more than we cared, which we cared a lot, uh, and he did a fantastic job. Pac versus Willard, Utah, an elite segment. Um FTR promo turning face and turning on Tully out of nowhere. Uh a Hardy, a Hardy Andrade promo with promo with the debut of a dancing Jeff Hardy. Well, his brother is beating
3: <laughs> Layla Hirsch versus
0: Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa having a very nice baby face moment at the end of that. Jade Cargill uh promo, uh Britt Baker promo, and Sammy versus Scorpio, uh, where Scorpio won the TNT title, and we get the uh signing of Paige. Van Zandt, who attacked Ty Conti. I pretty much gave my high spots and low spots in that recap. So uh, let's start with Robert. What were your high spots and low spots for Dynamite or Dud? Was it a dynamite? Was it Dud?
2: It was a month of television in two hours. Uh, literally, this was like Tony Khan. It felt like when Vince Russo took over WCW and he's like, it's all a page one rewrite. Uh, so much shit happened in one show when they could have spaced this out over weeks and weeks and weeks. Uh, It literally opens with you're breaking up the inner circle. You're turning Jericho heel. He's creating a new stable with 2.0, which I called. If you go back months ago, I said Jericho is going to wind up with 2.0. It happened. That was fantastic that I was right about that. Dante Martin, Hangman
3: Page. Wait, so is it out of nowhere or did we know it was going to happen and it's been... Hasn't the inner circle been breaking up forever? How are these things they, out They've nowhere? been breaking okay, up continue. forever and
2: ever and ever. This happened out of nowhere. And yeah, and it happened. Like, yeah. Okay, continue. No, they, they weren't building it up. But
3: thanks. <laughs> it literally I mean, happened. Okay, continue.
2: Yeah, fine. The Dante Martin Hangman Page thing was super risky when Page had a mixed reaction at the pay-per-view, and then you put him in there with a plucky baby face, and the crowd really didn't know what to do. Not to mention it was a world title match in your second segment when, here's a weird fact, they've never done a world title match apparently on Rampage. This would have been a great match to put on Rampage and promote for, uh, for that show. Um, the uh, Moxley and Bryan versus the Work Horsemen was it was no, great to see that. those guys together. The Regal promo was awesome, and I'm glad that it went as long as it did because there was this weird thing called emotion And it was nice to see like Regal remember his passion for wrestling again. It was awesome. Page in the dark order is there just to make Mike Lawrence's soul leave his body. Uh, Yuta and Pac. I like that. They were like, this was a standby match. That's kind of a fun little thing to to put out there. Uh, Yeah. The FTR suddenly turns (laughs) baby face on Tully. Then the, uh, the, the, you know, Matt Hardy got beat up while Nero danced was, uh, was fantastic. The look on Darby's face is being surprised that jeff hardy was there was was kind of a, a a fun little twist but why was jeff hardy there otherwise was he there because he knew that his brother was going to get jumped by everybody uh or does he just magically appear
0: he, he had actually been dancing since that live event in wwe uh where he got fired and it just happened where he danced he's been dancing
1: around the country and he finally ended yeah, up yeah you like a- energizer w-
3: bunnied his <laughs> way into the <laughs> I <mean>, area <earth>. <laughs> <Robert,
1: laughs> it, it, it was in fort myers there's probably good rehab facilities there Yes,
2: uh, beautiful Estero area. Uh, The the biggest disappointment for me on this is you debut Jeff Hardy, this crowd goes nuts, and then you immediately have Swerve's Dynamite debut to immediately make him seem lesser than. And if you didn't think he was already watered down at that moment, they're like, hey, here comes Tony Nese, because that's the recipe for success. Like Swerve did the entirety of leaving WWE and going AEW trajectory within a day and a half. Uh, it went from big, huge debut, crowds excited to you're on rampage, wrestling a nobody. Uh, that sucked. The we Ward- found Lowe out thing- he was
1: on this <laughs> show, and they're like, "Oh, we thought we
0: booked a star." Wow. Owen had a very nice, has had very nice matches before. Buddy Murphy. They have that. had oh, nice yeah, matches, yeah, great before, wrestler, but yeah. it's just
2: kind of like, eh. There were there were better ways to put him, and you don't put him right after you have Jeff Hardy. It just it didn't. I didn't like that the Wardlow promo. I get why you had to put him in front of a live crowd. You had to see if he could sink or swim. And he told his story and he did as well as he possibly could to deliver the the, the I promo. I did not
0: love it. I did
2: not. Everybody he, because he's is not.
0: Raving about
2: it. He, I don't know, raving about it. He's not. It's not. No, there's a, there a whole article
0: in. of huge seats. Like people loved it. I just. I, didn't I'm sure it. there are. I <laughs> think,
2: look. He, he has a compelling story. He's a big man who has. There's a heart to what he's doing. He's he's trying to make logical sense of it. And oh, by the way, you saw the inner circle break up. And FDR turned babyface. The pinnacle is now dead too. In case enough shit hasn't already happened on this show, because he's like, I'm done with that. The QT, Marshall Keith Lee has QT's greatest line reading ever of the I'm going to get you was so like he, even he knows like they're going to fire me as soon as they fucking can. So I don't really care. Wait, man.
0: I will say I've come 180 on QT. I think he's
2: a great character. Now. Look, we've I, all come on QT at one point or another. But, uh, Wait, do you know, you
3: notice public. he's getting fat only in the belly, though. It's like a, it's like method eating or something. Yeah, I've because Cody's
2: not this. there. So he gets to go to catering. He doesn't have to oh, wax. It's his so car. funny. It's so good. Jurassic Express Acclaim was fun. I love the Acclaim. I think those guys are awesome. Uh, Layla Hirsch and Thunder Rosa was fine. Um,
0: I mean, uh, Thunder Rosa got the the best match out of Layla Hirsch we've seen. She got the best
2: match out of her, and they set up the cage match, and that's fine. The main event, Scorpio and Sammy, was fun, though. Again, there's no internal communication, because I had this thought. I'm like, the inner circle imploded earlier. Hager sided with Jericho and beat up Proud and Powerful, and Sammy's nowhere to be found the entire show, And then he comes out wearing the vest and they're like, oh, he's wearing his inner circle vest. No, I've just been told that's not the inner circle vest and just a regular vest. Like (laughs) it should have been a a part of the story would have been interesting of Sammy's preparing for this huge main event match against Scorpio. But he's distracted because his friends all just imploded and beat each other up. And that's a yeah, but he he walked
3: out on them a few weeks ago. He said he said he's not dealing with it. He walked out on.
2: But you should still have some sort of emotional like response to it, as opposed. He's not a sociopath. He doesn't just turn it off. Uh, Well, yeah, the
3: the, the response is at the beginning of the show. This group he had broke up, and at the end of the show, he's getting his ass kicked by a group all by himself.
2: all I'm saying is, it, it makes it a, a, a richer, more compelling story. Scott, we're okay. trying to make this thing work. I like the Paige Van Zant thing at the end of signing the contract. That was fun. I Before did not sh-
0: like Jr. Saying when when Page squared off with Ty Conti. Oh, that would be interesting. Goes, Jr. Goes, I'm interested in that.
3: Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, this is why the Page thing is so great. It was gonna be Brandy. Yeah, that's what
2: I kept thinking. This this went. Uh, Way better than it could have. I just think so much shit happened in the course of two hours and you couldn't fully digest when in three weeks time when we're getting like a main event that's that's totally lackluster like Daniel Garcia versus Eddie Kingston. Think about how much stuff happened in a two hour show that you could have spread out for weeks and weeks and weeks.
3: You could have had Matt Dude, Hardy They have jump- been spreading out all this stuff, and then this was the and, and they set it off. It's it's after the pay per view. They always do this. Nothing was confusing. Everything technically made sense. I didn't say anything. I didn't um, say it
2: didn't make sense. It just felt like you did a lot, and you want to give the audience a chance to process and digest it. You who, blew who's up. Who's watching this samples. shit?
3: Who, who's not processing it? It's we still- have to pretending that, like, People are slow. Have you met wrestling
2: fans, Scott?
3: Some of them are not like as quick yes, on the draw.
0: Since Scott, you've been coming in. What's your I, response? I can, what do you think of the I, show?
3: I, this is what I'll say about the show. I can defend every single segment aside from Jeff Hardy dancing to the ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can You're defend everything the- else. Dude, Jeff
1: Defend was the best segment.
3: (laughs) Dude, it it and and yeah, you're right. Because even with that, it was like it was everything we wanted. (laughs) Jeff came out like he literally didn't know he was coming out. Like, like (laughs) he was eating in the back and was like, Oh shit, they're really fucking up my brother. (laughs) Like he, he didn't know what was going on. He heard the music. He was like, Oh shit, okay, I'm here. He started dancing. It was it was so surreal. When he got in the ring, he was like a little there was confusion there too it was it was just so funny i love that when he looked at sting he like did prayer hands at him that was very like you know the last time we were in the ring i'm sorry about that that was cool and there's no
1: way he didn't think that jose was a dealer he owed something to
2: <laughs> that's i saw that you think that jeff hardy remembers he was in tna <laughs> Let alone that he's ever
3: wrestled Sting.
0: Yeah, I think he just does. I think he does that prayer hands thing after the guy from Subway gives him double meat. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I and that you know, you know like what that. I liked
3: about this, and and it's it's technically wrong because Jeff Hardy was super over in WWE, even though I didn't necessarily get it. Um, and he could have had a much cooler debut, right? But. In our opinion, and our opinion on the Hardy Boys, this was perfect. This was like the fifth most important thing to happen. And it's Jeff Hardy debuting. That's pretty cool. And exactly where we want it.
0: All right. We so want you, it thought it a, you thought it was a perfect show. Mike, high spot, low yep.
1: spot. Well, you know, it's interesting that you, you, you say that, Scott, the fifth most important thing. You know, AEW does a top five uh, on YouTube of clips every week. It was their number one thing was Jeff Hardy. (laughs) You know what wasn't on the list? Wardlow's promo. Oh,
2: Jesus. Really? (laughs)
1: I'm serious. Yes, that is correct, Robert. Uh, That is We have number five is the AEW World Tag Team Champion Stay White Hot. Number four, Hangman put the championship on the line. Number three, William Regal delivers an emotional message. Number two... Scorpio Sky is the new TNT champion and number one it's official Jeff Hardy
3: is all elite yeah that's bonkers that's bonkers yeah but if you're gonna get mad about that then you have to also think that dark counts because you're talking about something that's on YouTube
0: <laughs> that's true <laughs> it is true like the buy-in show when I was watching I was like there's only 60,000 people watching this is
3: yeah
1: crazy no but it's um but the it's just i i'm just saying it's got in terms of like how they're presenting themselves you know um and that they did it. like i mean the Wardlow thing was fine i mean they had to do it that way because dude if mjf interrupted him he would have fucking eaten him alive and it would not have been pretty even if even if max was doing everything to put him over, he would have outshined the
3: fuck out of this guy. Like, yeah. Oh, I love that Punk and MJF weren't in this. And then, you know, you're just waiting for MJF to show up next week. And is he going to screw Wardlow? Is he going to say that the title is his now? Nat- you know, what is going to happen? Yeah. Uh,
2: well, let me ask this weird question, though. Where the hell was Sean Spears? I assume that this was going to end with Spears hitting Wardlow with a chair and hurting him in a way where going into the TNT match, he's he's behind the eight ball a little bit. Instead, Sean Spears just vanished into the ether.
0: No, no, he's a
3: ca- he's a cow. He's a coward. Who's gonna help him? MJF's gone. Who's yeah, gonna help him? If you blindside someone
2: with a chair, you got a pretty good shot of, no, he's of a coward. He's a coward. I, Who's gonna I, confront I, yes.
3: Wardlow by your it doesn't make any sense?
1: Well you're you you saying oh, here here's well, okay. Well, here, here's here's well, my thoughts. I just wanted to give my thoughts on the show. I I I thought my big issue with the matches was um, out outside of the main event. You had people that had wrestled on Sunday with zero selling of any injuries beating people who did not wrestle on Sunday, uh, which is probably not the best idea. That's um, why the
2: people didn't wrestle on Sunday, Michael.
1: <laughs> <that's No>. true, <laughs> but
2: um,
1: you know, I mean, it's like I I, and I know I'm the only one who feels this about 2.0 and Danny Garcia but they've never been on a pay-per-view and they always disappear when they start building a pay-per-view and then they come back when a
3: pay-per-view is over. So they, they're, yeah, pers- it's their role. Everybody has like a role. It's cool. The way they, yeah, not being
1: important is a role, Scott, Scott, by the way, you're, you're the great uh, Danny Garcia. Now they
3: are important. They're in this hilarious group oh, that we didn't talk about at all. This is going to be hilarious, right? Okay. Jericho's group. We didn't talk about it. You don't think it's going to be funny.
1: I like I like that you I don't get be super money. Funny. I, I love it. I like that Scott doesn't get money from AEW, but he doesn't buy the pay per view so he doesn't give them money either. Oh, yeah, he no, just, I'm not doing that. He just defends them on a podcast. It's a very it, weird loyalty.
3: No, if it, <laughs> so, if it if it if if it sucked, I'd go, Yeah, this thing sucked. I go, Oh, these things run too long, or like, oh yeah, that thing should yeah, Jeff Hardy shouldn't have danced down to the ring. But everything else made sense know, the, and the was the best very thing about enjoyable. the Jericho
2: uh stable is you got to watch jake hager try to act
3: oh which so was funny.
2: absolutely hilarious his like what do, what do you what are do you doing uh just kidding he is he is a giant human being and terrible i,
1: mean, I think yes i think we're all burying the lead which is that paige van zant signed a contract on ty conti's butt
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome oh. <laughs>
1: Which you, you think the the pen would rip through the paper, but you know I just, think
0: that's how Sammy's signing his new contract
1: too. Yeah, so. it shows it shows how firm the butt is. And I mean, yeah, it, it is true that like Sammy's loyalty doesn't make sense. But then ask Pam. <laughs> <laughs> oh nah, Jesus! Well, they got they, they got matching
0: tattoos, which oh, is. No. God. That's always a... yeah. Their, their
1: Instagram presence is a, is a bit much, but... So I mean, I mean, I mean
0: like, a, matching tattoos is a real JV move in a relationship. That never works that well. Yeah, as, as opposed, opposed to
2: getting, to getting her Billy name Billy tattooed on him. your neck like The Undertaker. That's not a bad idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it's, it's funny because it's like, he was with the Inner Circle, then he came out with Fuego Del Sol every week, and now it's just like, yeah, he's just with Ty Conte, okay, like... Well, when Tony gave Fuego de that contract, it wasn't actually a wrestling
0: contract. He's just driving the guys back and forth from the airport. So. <laughs> um, hey, what's we we, we, we got to wrap this up? Uh, high spot, low spot, Mike. We're gonna stick on you. Uh, give us your high spot and low spot of the week. Um,
1: I'm gonna say my high spot was uh, the uh, the fan fest um, action figure reveals. Um, which will also be my low spot, but my high spot will be the uh, negative one and Brody uh, two pack. Looks fucking sweet, man. It, 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 it got me, you know, I'm a sucker for emotional shit and seeing him, like you can see the YouTube clip of him being handed the box and seeing himself and his dad as action figures. I mean, if you're like 11 or 12 and you're a fucking action figure, that's the coolest thing, and, it, and you could tell it really meant a lot to him, and that, that shit got me, and now you guys can make but, fun of me
0: for but it. But if you're over 30 and your dad dies, and then someone gives you an action figure of you and your dad, that's just weird. I will say that. Well, <laughs> what
1: are you going to give me now, Dan, when I'm <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
1: That's not refundable. What's your low spot, Mike? My low spot is the, the Eddie Kingston figure looks terrible. It, I mean, the, the, there was the Taz one and the, and the, uh, the thing with Taz. This one's
3: kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah.
1: It's bonkers. But the uh, the Kingston one, man, it uh, it looks bad. I mean, there's some of these that, are, that look that look great. They they announced a ton of reveals over the weekend. The
2: Hobbs um, one looked a little rough.
1: The the one that looks the the most low spot, man, it, just because uh, he has to see it at some point is Christian looks so fucking old like they did not do him any favors and the thing is like it actually makes you like the real guy you're like he's not that old
3: (laughs) he looks like a hairless cat like a hairless cat's
0: face oh that's funny all right it's got got high spot low spot of the week
3: who okay high spot um You know what? Right now, FTR, they're currently asking Bret Hart, (laughs) like hinting that Bret Hart is going to be their new manager, which, dude, if Bret Hart goes to AEW, it is going to be the coolest shit ever, whether he stumbles or not. Like, literally, if he actually, like, stumbles and falls over. Do you think FTR is going to work as a babyface, though? I I mean, I don't necessarily think they said they were babyface. And, And they said, like, they already have a quote on their Twitter that's like, you know, We're not good guys. We don't wear white pants, whatever that cowboy quote is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that will be really cool if that happens. And you got the Owen Hart Cup coming up. So, man, Brett showing up is. It would just be everything for us. We get to talk about Brett every week. Are you fucking kidding me?
0: That's true. That's true. As opposed to now?
3: (laughs) This is massive. Uh, That could be really cool. And my low spot is. Just because I was... Okay, so I thought Cody Rhodes might be debuting at the Garden, right? And I am like 15 minutes from the Garden. And that day, WWE was at Madison Square Garden on Saturday. I was gonna maybe buy a ticket to go see the show. Because even if it wasn't Cody, I thought it was gonna be someone that was a big deal. And I thought they might beat Lesnar. Um, anyway, the show happened and I didn't go. And then the reveal was it was, uh, it was uh, Austin uh, Theory... And the match was like a minute and 38 seconds.
2: Well, they knew you weren't there, so they changed the plans.
3: Yeah. But you but oh oh, so here's the thing. It's like, and I I I I snapped a screenshot of it, but I'm not gonna look for it right now. But like they were do they they did the worst ticket sales since like the 1940s or something, right? And um and Then they announced this whole Lesnar is going to be defending the title thing. And like a few thousand more tickets were sold. And then it's it's Austin Theory. So it's like these fans were expecting something cool. There's a photo online of Austin Theory in the ring staring at Lesnar and like zoom, like zooming close up of everybody uh, watching it like their face and everybody's just sad.
0: I yeah, I, I agree with you. That was actually my lowest spot of the week. And, and also that Seth and Roman only went five minutes. Like, at Ricochet. Oh, wait, to, is that
3: true? They went five yeah, they minutes went at the Garden? Five
0: minutes have Seth and Ricochet. Although, Scott, my high spot spot of the week, and I did, you know, I think it, Orton's promo and Regal's promo were really good this week. A lot of great stuff from Revolution. Ziggler won the NXT title, which is kind of fun. My high spot was a tweet that Scott gave me. Um, this is a tweet Scott gave me from Madison Square Garden. There are reports of a foul order of feces in Section 105 at WWMSG. Security is looking for the person who defecated, and they're going so far as to ask people to stand up when they shine their light into people's underwear. There was also a loud wear a diaper <laughs> chant that could be heard, and then a follow-up tweet. <laughs> where a wait. Heard they find. Heard they found the guy who shit his pants at WWE MSG, heavyset guy with a ponytail and sweater wrapped around his waist. Apparently there was a stain visible down to his legs. And when he was caught, he started crying and became a blubbering <laughs> mess. This, I mean, holy shit. I, just, I, mean, this is I can't like, believe
2: Big Show was at the show. <laughs> this I just, is, this is okay.
0: I've never seen wrestling become
1: more wrestling than this wrestling moment. Dude, this I mean, is making me think of No Hold's Bar where someone's like, what's that smell? And and it just goes, but <laughs> <Booking>.
0: they should have <laughs> <laughs> made a vetted with this. I would have much rather have this guy standing over Roman and Brock. I mean, poor guy. I do hope he's okay. I hope he cleaned himself up and the nurses at whatever facilities and hosed him down. But uh, you know, I mean, like, you know, wrestling fandom just became truly magical when I, when I read that tweet, Uh, Robert, what's your high spot, low spot this week? Uh,
2: My high spot was at the beginning of raw. There was the triple threat tag match alpha Academy, RK bro. And uh, Rollins and Owens, and it was one of the most fun matches I've seen on Raw in years and years. Everybody was spirited. It was it was super entertaining. The uh, RKO that Orton hits off Gable while Gable's doing a moonsault is uh, the stuff that video packages are built for. It was a pure joy. Orton's promo after was super fun. It's so rare that something this vibrant happens on Monday Night Raw. I was like, damn, must not be watching. That's why it's good. Uh, my, my low spot of the week uh, was Vader being announced for the Hall of Fame when the only thing that mattered to Vader when he was sick was he wanted to go into the Hall of Fame. He wanted to have the induction. He wanted to have that moment. He wanted to share it with his family. And the fact that they didn't do it while he was able to participate, and are now doing it after he passed away, is really, really shitty. Uh, I just—it's just—it feels kind of spiteful and kind of fucked
1: up, and something that you know probably. Oh no! I mean,
0: spite. at least he got in. Better late than never, right?
1: It's better late the than never. But fucked you know, up as when he was alive, it's like at least he's in now. He's in
2: now, which is fine, but it's like, it was a low spot. So I was like, this would have meant the world to him and his kid. And they took that moment away from them. That was why it was a low spot where it's like, Hey, he's finally getting in, but now it's under, you know, this, uh, that was kind of a letdown.
3: I I've lost so much. Like I, I don't care about the hall of fame. So it is so not real to me. It's like, it's like I was told about it in a vision, like in a, in an ayahuasca trip, it's like, God told me, the Hall of Fame isn't real. Like I'm so not attached to what the Hall of Fame means or what it represents. It, they need a real. It wrestling is so Hall fucking silly it. and so made up.
0: They, they need. I don't know who needs to do it: ESPN or Bleacher Report, somebody. But like the Wrestling Hall of Fame's now it's Meltzer's newsletter, WWE, and Cauliflower Alley, and like none of those are ones that people like particularly take seriously. You know, so it's like there needs to be like some.
1: Could, I, I would love it if they. I don't know how you do it. I really don't know how you do it. There needs to be some legitimate Hall of Fame for this illegitimate sport. Right, and Scott. <laughs> it, it, it's not
2: that it's not so oh, much that the Hall of Fame, fame matters, Scott. It's for a lot that? of these. It's for a lot of these guys. It's their it's their last chance to go out there and and have that moment in the spotlight. And it does mean something to a lot of those guys. Some of them don't give a fuck, and it's a payday. But some of them, it's like this is my my last chance to go in front of the audience. And and have that moment. That's what matters to them more than Dan's dogs. yeah <laughs> dogs disagree. That's fine.
0: Hi, uh, all right, guys. Um, I'm gonna get my plugs out of the way uh, just real quick. Uh, I'm gonna be, I'm back doing stand up this weekend. This is Friday, so it'll be at the Cobra Club. Uh, Saturday, I'm gonna be at the Strip, uh, the Stand, and New York Comedy Club. Sunday, I'm gonna be at the Fat Black, which is one of the comedy cellar clubs. Uh, I want to thank David Shoemaker for putting me on the ringer this week. It was a lot of fun. We also talked about Jeff Hardy's dancing on it and, you know, become a Patreon patron, man. We got the best Patreon in the business and please come to our
3: live sh- zoom show, April 1st, Scott. Oh, Scott underscore Chaplin on Instagram and Twitter. Also the WrestleRose Twitter also buy our shirts on pro dot They often have deals near holidays. So I'm sure they'll do some St. Patrick's day promo code where you get 20% off. Um, Yeah, man, you know, God bless us. Everyone. Mike.
1: I am going to read a couple of the Twitter questions this week. Oh shit. Forgot. Yeah. As my plug. It's all right, man. Uh, Robert, how about you go first and then we'll just end with the Twitter.
2: Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WW underscore ISH. And on the Facebook group, I, I pinned a thread uh, for WrestleMania weekend. If you're a forbidden dork and you're either in the Dallas area or you're going to mania or to one of the shows, it's an opportunity for you guys to kind of meet up and, and connect with one another. I think one of the most fun things about this podcast is we are building a community of, of good quality wrestling fans. Uh, I hear it more often than not that the the discourse on our Facebook group is is civil. Everybody gets along. Unlike you know Mike Scott and myself, uh, everybody's respectful. <laughs> and if there's an opportunity, if you guys are going to be in the Dallas area and you want to meet up and and see each other in the concourse of the show, it's it's a blast when you go to a wrestling event and you connect with other wrestling fans. So that's my plug.
1: Yeah, thank you for not carrying the spirit of this show and respecting each other's opinions
2: yes the most (laughs) hateful show has the nicest fans
1: it's nice um all right so i'm gonna end on this you know i am mike lawrence comedy but Uh, wait we're welcome to people who are
0: not nice liking our show just throwing that out there mike
1: yes okay so uh what did triple h do when he saw william regal on aew this week here we go uh At Dave Caffro, he looks in the mirror every morning and says, game over, sadly looks down and searches his phone for Tony Khan's number, calls it, lets it ring twice, and then hangs up. (laughs) At 513 Wolfpack, plotting to take over WWE, but he realized that Road Dogg got fired, Billy Gunn is in AEW, Flair has been canceled, Batista hates his guts, can't depend on Scott Hall. Orton's getting high with Riddle. Nash wants too much money. And HBA HBK found God, so he's not used to getting over on his own. <laughs> uh, at uh, Huskers 88, rewatch the Chris Benoit Dark Side of the Ring to see if it was worth it in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, at Smart NATO 1, give me a break, said so a depressed Triple H as he polished off the five pound bag of Kit Kats. <laughs> <laughs> uh at uh beef cakes bow tie, he just said at least they don't have war games <laughs> uh let's see here um at steve lurie he probably spit his water out upwards <laughs> at jaunty Patch, he put on his x-men 92 animated series wolverine costume lays in bed caresses the picture he has a regal saying war games and wipes a tear from his eye. And I really hope Jaunty Eyepatch is
2: a nod to Louis Black, by the way. What's that? I really hope that the, the, the Jaunty patch thing is a, a Louis Black reference. That is one of my favorite Louis <laughs> Black jokes.
1: Oh, nice. Sorry. And then finally, the last one is from... Let me just... Okay, this is my favorite one. At the LaCroix boy... He had a premium cardiac event.
3: <laughs>
0: all right. Let's, uh, let's, anybody else have any more
3: plugs before uh, I pass it to Zach? Yeah, I have some frightening breaking news. Oh, T- uh, Ty Conti, right? She just mm-hmm. tweeted, uh, hey, Cody Rhodes and Brandy Rhodes, when y'all coming back? You left all the haters to me and Sammy Guevara, hey? What if they're going to come back? Dun, dun, dun. Jesus, I'm just
2: glad nobody died, Scott.
3: <laughs> I
1: yeah.
2: We still have 30 be. seconds on the show.
3: No, you know you would have loved the hot goss.
1: Oh, and, and good news, they sold out LA in five minutes.
3: Yes, I heard that. They sold out the w- f- forum the for- in five minutes, yeah.
1: Wow. Uh, Zach?
0: Wash your hands. Nice.